sounded kind of like the Joker. I can't. I can't do a Heath Ledger Joker very well anymore. Batman. <laughs> a little more. That's a. It's pretty. <laughs> seemed a little. No, nah, that hurt a little bit. That hurt my jaw. When Lucas is away or he doesn't want to do it, we have John Tasker, friend of the show. This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Christian. My name's Liam. And I'm John. Yeah, that's right. John Tasker, friend of a show, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. That's right. Once again, we have John here instead of Lucas. Uh, Lucas is away, and maybe he doesn't want to do it, so we have John Tasker, friend of the show. Um, a song written by our friend, uh, what, did, what did I say his name? What's Cliff his? McLean. Cliff McLean. Yeah, I totally remember who that is. Um, <laughs> anyway, today on the Thundercast, we are going to be talking about Christmas movies that are not technically Christmas movies. Um, how festive. How festive. Exactly. That's why we're talking about it um, on January 1st. <laughs> I believe that's the day this episode yep. is coming While out. we're is hanging right? out in and coming to you like... live from the bottom of Santa's bag. January Hey, you stole my life from. You fuck. <laughs> um, you bastard. Uh, yeah, that's right. So we're coming to you live from the bottom of Santa's bag. Um, maybe not his gift bag. Maybe a different kind of bag. It's a wow. little handbag. Oof. Santa handbag. Yeah, not the bag I was thinking, John. Anyways. <laughs> oh, I was going for maybe a more wholesome Christmas vibe, but we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, it's January 1st. You're right. That's right. Uh, uh, today we are sponsored by our patrons. As per usual, you will hear a shout out for each and every single one of you at the end of the show. For now, we're going to jump right into the ingestion. I believe we said John was first. I believe that's right. Yes. I have my ingestion split into three categories. Um, I will start with the first one. It is uh, Christmas movies that I have seen before and rewatched. Okay. Um, those are Home Alone 1 and 2. Still very enjoyable. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Ron Howard version, still very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, Barney's Night Before Christmas. This is one that I haven't seen in a long time. Like Barney um, the Dinosaur or Barney yeah, Barney the, the Dinosaur and his Night Before Christmas. Um, this was very enjoyable. Can it's, I ask why? Why? Um, well, it is actually uh, a tradition in my girlfriend Zoe's family to watch that movie. And um, incidentally, I had seen it with my brother a few times as right. kids. So I wanted to rewatch it. I remembered a fair amount of it and others was other things were, were new and, and fun. Um, I remember, uh, I'll, what is it? The only I don't, the thing with Barty the dinosaurs, I have no memories of myself watching it as a kid. I do, however, have memories of of my youngest brother watching it because I think I phased out of Barney at an age when I was too young to really remember. Yeah, totally. Like, because I remember a lot of uh, shows like that. I phased out a lot earlier than uh, some other kids did, according to my mom. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> you were um, mature, but, yeah, but also you. having a, a your brother who's five years younger than you, you got to uh, get re-exposed to them at an age when you really did not want to be. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Can you, sorry, I have i don't know if I've ever seen it. Can we just take a moment to talk about Barney's uh, Night Before Christmas? Is that what it's called? Absolutely. I would love to. So um, essentially, we have four kids. And if I remember correctly, there's like Robert, Hannah... I think Misha and then 
It's Tisha. Oh, are, Tisha? Two of, are two of them? Uh, are two of them uh, played by two of those Disney kids who can't act? Yes, no. but brought to my attention that both mm-hmm. of them were on Barty. Selena yeah, Gomez. Yeah, Demi Lovato and uh, and Selena Gomez. Um, no, neither of them were in it. This was um, before that time, I think. So yeah, essentially these four kids are chilling, and uh, it's the night before Christmas. Classic. All and, through the house. Uh, yeah. Not uh, a Barney yeah, was stirring. Not even. Barney shows a bebop. <laughs> is, um, i don't think it's bebop is yeah it, it is it's bebop baby, baby, baby bop. bop yeah because i was so gonna say bebop is from uh teenage mutant ninja turtles right. yeah <laughs> it's it's that's barney true. and bebop and rocksteady that's right <laughs> that would make that show a lot more enjoyable <laughs> hey don't knock barney's night before christmas until you've watched it as an adult and can really appreciate it for what it is i can't really I, it's christmas shenanigans they end up going to santa's workshop barney takes him there because of course he's a close personal friend of santa's of course. um and mrs claus it's um it's very good they take a train through a through the toy shop and see all the all the toys um does it at least have a very gruff cool santa claus or is it a very subdued kind of lame santa claus somewhere in the middle i don't know he's he's you know it's santa it's it's <laughs> it's pretty classic santa one set one thing i will say about this is that when i was a kid i could have sworn that like the parents were cool with Barney. They they knew they always hung out with these kids and 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 they just did their adventures. But when I rewatched it, they were like, "We're gonna hang out with Barney." And the parents were like, "Oh right, Barney's coming. Okay, well we'll just go to the kitchen and 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 cook for for Christmas dinner and get and it like, on." Well, I know it's I no <laughs> why Barney's just <laughs> an excuse for the parents to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, I, I, I don't. I... John, you've been on the show many times. <laughs> it's Christmas. I just. It's thought. January first. We were 1st. talking about Barney's night before Christmas. We didn't have to talk about the kids' parents and and their and their sex having. Um, <laughs> and um and I watched Love Actually, which was very enjoyable. Oh yeah, um, uh, well. I actually. Was, uh, I was yeah. watching a, uh, or I guess I was reading a uh, Twitter thread of uh, Leon from Renegade Cut who watched that movie for the first time and he just ripped it apart for like a whole day. That makes total sense. I've met a lot of people who really don't like it. It's like a family favorite. I mean, it, I like it, Love a, Actually quite a I bit. Can't, I can't comment on it because I've, I've never seen it. I've maybe Ooh. seen parts of it because my, uh, my uh, uh, was it I have an aunt who really, really likes it, but I've never seen the whole thing. All I know is that uh, people joke about how it's like, hey, look, it's Rick from The Walking Dead before he became famous. And being super fucking creepy. And also the movie's really long. It is quite long. It is like two and a half hours long. It is, yeah, but you don't really notice. I don't know. Um, There's a lot cut out of that movie too, actually. A lot of scenes that are totally like not storylines that just don't exist in the movie that are just completely cut out. Is it kind of like how are we talking like cut down the way uh, Dumb and Dumber was originally cut down? How no, like complete storylines completely cut out of the movie. Do you know like which like there's like complete actors in the movie that are not in the final cut? I believe so. Yeah, there is a LGBTQ um, uh, couple in the movie um, that uh, one of them is dying of of cancer. Um, That's completely cut out of the movie. Um, I think there's like a couple scenes where they like like interact with maybe some of those characters that, that tie them in that would have tied them. In. They're on the, on the, the DVD. Um, I know that much, but um, you'll have to look into this. I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Christmas um, yeah. That was my rewatch. Um, my second category is quick 
uh, Christmas movies that I had not seen before. This includes The Muppets Christmas Carol, um, which um, I liked. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I haven't seen much Christmas Carol stuff, and I've never actually seen Michael Caine outside of a Christopher Nolan film. And really? He, yeah, he was very good. Of course, he was very good. He's I'm really not, good. Yeah. I told yeah, I told I really Liam this it. this uh, little tidbit. You probably read about it, but. Michael Caine refused to be in the movie if he couldn't treat the Muppets like Shakespearean actors. So that's why he he treats the Muppets dead straight. He never talks to them like Muppets. He never's like, "Oh, Kermit, you're so goofy." He's like, "You're yeah, you're an I actor. really enjoyed that part. Yeah, I know you're an Michael actor, Caine, and I'm gonna treat you like an actor." <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Michael Caine also said that like uh, he would take uh, was it he would only take the role of Scrooge if he could not. If uh, he did not have to play it super over the top, the way a lot of actors who play Scrooge fall into, mm-hmm. it was yeah, it was yeah, a very subtle performance. Yeah, because uh, from again, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I remember uh, his uh, him being a lot more subdued than uh, most other Scrooges I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, somebody brought this to my attention that I thought was, in retrospect, I think is kind of a cool idea, which is the ghost of a ghost of Christmas present literally cannot see or reference the uh, future of a past. Cause he's just completely living in the moment. And that's apparently mm. something that a lot of uh, renditions don't really take in. No, oh, interesting. Which which like, includes this one. Yeah. Which mm. I'm saying like, apparently this one does it. I'm like, that's a pretty cool idea. Actually. Mm. I like that. Oh yeah. I mean, it does for the most of it. There's a point where he, I don't know, I was confused. He does see into the future for a second when it comes to Tiny Tim and his things, and he notices he's dead, and I was like, why couldn't we just have waited to see that? Because, yeah, he said he was... Anyway, I really liked it. Um, I also watched The Family Stone, which is, like, Rachel McAdams and Craig T. Nelson. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'd never no. seen it before. My roommate Connor watched it and was like, you guys should watch this. And I kind of liked it. I thought it was I don't, okay. I don't know anything about it. I'm um, not familiar either, but I do like both of those actors. I'm going to guess I, uh, it's about a ring. How did you know? It's about an engagement um, ring. It's very much it? about a ring. Um, it's also got uh, Dermot Mulrooney. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he's essentially, he's the one that wants the family stone to give to his um, girlfriend, Sarah Jessica Parker, who is not fit to be his wife and the whole family sees it. Yeah, it's a why would family... you want to marry a horse? Ha-ha. I don't know. Matthew Broderick did. <laughs> it turns out that her uh, she is more suited to Dermot Mulroney's brother, Luke Wilson. Um, the movie takes a lot of twists and turns. And there's a lot of it that I'm just like, this is strange. It's star-studded, and if you want to watch it, it's, it also has like one of the one of the sons um, in the main family is deaf, and mm. he's also gay and brings like his his boyfriends or his partner's been in his family's life forever. It's just cool to see things like that that like they didn't like drive the story in any way. It was just things that were just kind of there yeah, yeah. It's part of the family and they all knew how to sign um, cool. a little bit That's it's just cool to watch cool. yeah um i also watched uh last christmas which is barely a christmas movie and literally based off of the song last christmas um, oh so it's one of those deck the halls or grandma got run over by a reindeer type movies isn't it but with I have not emilia seen clark yes emilia clark and um i think the guy was in the gentleman or something like that Hugh, uh, Hugh, Hugh Grant? No. 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 <laughs> no. Um, and yeah, it was co-written by Emma Thompson and directed by Paul Feig. I don't know how you pronounce yeah. it. He directed Bridesmaids. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I believe it's Paul Feig. Yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. I, I, it's a fun you know, kind of Christmas thing. 
Um, watch Black Christmas, which was oh, which one? Cool. Uh, which the nineteen seventy five? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna have a convo. <laughs> no, no, I was no, gonna I've... say what? So, sorry, go on. Well, it's just I've heard about the the recent one. I watched a video that kind of talks about it in detail. And if I'm not mistaken, there's like supernatural elements at the yeah. end of it, which it's... is not the original Black Christmas. No, I was like kind of waiting for it, and I was like, this it's gonna really come out of nowhere if they haven't already brought it up. So I'm and glad like that... the original is also very subtle in its female empowerment and whatnot. The remake, uh, the newest remake, is not subtle. It is very in your face about a lot of the female empowerment, but also a little ham fisted about it and just kind not of not even that it's ham fisted. Apparently, according to a lot of feminist theory or whatnot, it's not done well at all, no. according to a lot of uh, papers that have been written on it in the years since. Having said that, coming from three white men. All right. <laughs> hey, at least I cited source. At least I cited, but I read papers on the matter. I've watched videos, Liam. You don't, you don't fucking read. I've experienced read. it. Okay, thank you. Um, my last <laughs> one is Die Hard. Um, I hadn't watched it properly, fully. Um, yes, it is a Christmas movie. Yes, and I is. very much, very much enjoyed it. Um, I was glad to see, see it properly. Um, I, okay, what? I was really thinking you were gonna not call it a christmas movie i definitely no i saw that you said that and i was like oh that's not what i i thought that that's where i thought that was the topic was like things that people don't think are christmas movies because it doesn't really surround christmas which incidentally is like the family stone last christmas and black christmas they are all movies that are not about christmas they're just set at christmas and christmas is happening no die hard is very much i mean movie that is the main topic i'm sure we'll get into detail as to why die hard is a christmas movie yeah great um okay my final category i'm gonna rattle off really fast with just like a like or a dislike or somewhere in there within the uh, uh the order in which the movies were released um or tv shows whatever i watched so i'll try to get through this quickly uh, okay, 12 Angry Men. I loved it. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? I really, really liked it. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I like that a lot. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Literally finished that an hour ago. Love that movie. Great. Um, Edward Scissorhands. I liked it. Uh, Clueless wasn't a huge fan. Um, uh, Nancy Drew <laughs> from 2007. Wait, where's the Nancy Drew movie? Emma Roberts plays Nancy Drew. Huh. Yeah. Um, I we watched uh, the three How to Train Your Dragon movies. Um, Which, I cried at various parts. I still haven't seen any of them, actually. I would recommend watching them. Yeah, um, Lucas is a huge, huge one. fan. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't disappoint, even though I knew kind of everything that had gone on in those movies. Um, watched Neighbors with uh, Seth Rogen and Zac Efron, of course. Um, I like that movie. Yeah, thought that was very funny. Um, although. Um, two two uses of the n-word by one white guy the same white guy says the n-word twice with no repercussion in hmm. any capacity yeah. which i didn't i didn't know that happened and it was pretty recent so i was taken aback um but i digress um okja hmm. i absolutely mm-hmm. love that movie that movie is excellent also has uh probably uh jake gyllenhaal at his most jake gyllenhaal you're I, ever gonna I, see I, I can't even begin to talk about it um uh under the silver lake is i think an indie movie that came yeah. out i haven't seen that one yet andrew garfield 
it's a lot. I don't know if I like it. I'm leaning kind of towards not really now that I thought about it a little bit more, but it's like a ride. I, I was engaged the whole time while watching it, but just kind of coming coming out of it, I was like, I don't know what the movie's really trying to say at all. You know, um, one of uh, my uh, one of uh, my coworkers was talking to me a little bit about it, and he said that it's very, uh, as cliched as he is, he said it's very Lynchian, hmm. where like it's almost like a puzzle that you have to put together and really Absolutely. try to figure out. And like Andrew Garfield plays like someone who's obsessed with just trying to find some sort of secret conspiracy that leads clues leading somewhere. And so it is satisfying to watch him find certain things and, and go, go along the journey. But yeah, that was that. Um, watch uh, Quincy, the documentary uh, directed by his, one of his daughters, Rashida Jones. Um, and uh, it's about Quincy Jones. I didn't, I barely knew anything about the guy and he's super influential. Um, mm-hmm. So it was nice to, to kind of dive into that. That's who my mom named my dog after. Cute. Good, good choice. <laughs> I like the name Quincy and they all call him cute. It's sick. Anyway, um, Book Smart. Didn't uh, really like that one. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Um, to quote. I, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I was going to quote something that somebody I know wrote about it on his letterbox. And he said, please. As somebody who thinks Freddy Got Fingered is a uh, underrated comedy masterpiece, I am not the target audience for this movie. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. Slow down, John. You're really rambling them off. Um, I know because I have so many and I don't know you, how much that's time That's why I you have. condense you it, have, dude. We don't have a time limit. Yeah, <laughs> time I'm, a con- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. You're right. Time is a construct. Yes. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, what, what is time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something we all abide by. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I just, I couldn't pare it down because I was very impressed with how much I was able to pack into these last like couple of weeks. Um, two weeks, yeah, about two weeks. Yeah. Um, the next is uh, Burrow, which is like a Pixar short on uh-huh. Disney Plus that we just tossed on. Um, really cute, nice little message. I enjoyed it. Um, Big Mouth, season four. I watched that. I don't know if you guys have watched any of the show. No, or enjoy it. It doesn't really do anything for me. I'm not f- really familiar with it. I've been told it's another one of those shows where it's like, Liam, you'll probably either really like it or you really won't. Yeah, totally. That is absolutely what I think too. Um, I, I found that like, well, I, I couldn't really remember season three very well. I remember it being a little disappointing. Um, but this season, like, I don't know. I appreciate how the show tries to normalize a lot of like taboo topics but it's also just trying to be a fucking funny show. So yeah, I don't know. I, I um, mean, I have some problems with it just in the writer's room. I don't know how many women are actually in the writer's room. Um, I know there are a couple that are credited as creators or at least one. And then I, yeah, I don't okay. know how many are. In the yeah. Room. I just like, that's the thing is, is my knowledge of it. And please tell me if I'm wrong is that it's a predominantly written by men. And there's a lot of talk about like, female identity and like gender and that sort of stuff that just kind of gets on a little bit of a nerve but i also have some things to say about uh, a movie that we both have seen that also relate to that so (laughs) great um... yeah yeah totally um i will say that like um i i get the impression that perhaps the writer i'll have to look into it perhaps the writer's room is like predominantly men and white men but like i think they hand off the torch because most of the episodes that deal with certain like it, it's it's a topic per episode so if one's about Fair. this girl's period it's like full deep on into her period and her all her tampons talk yeah, i don't know it's very interesting stuff i don't know i was okay. gonna say when it comes to subjects like that or whatnot if you were a man who has the audacity to try to write about something like that 
you need to have women in your writer's room to consult with you and talk about it. Agreed. From and like from what the show is displayed in its content too, they are they are aware of themselves and like mistakes that they've made. They replaced the voice actor for um, Missy, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know like, Jenny Slade uh, stepped down after uh, what is it? Uh, two actors two on the work. show did. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, and uh, and they don't pretend like it doesn't happen well i mean like the 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 switchover is actually pretty seamless because the new actor does like a decent job of doing what it like normally sounds like um but they do literally mention the fact that like missy is struggling with her identity and she sounds like a white woman and she's voiced by a white woman and what does that mean so like i appreciate the fact that they at so least acknowledge they, this stuff instead of pretending like oh no missy was voiced by a black woman the whole time i mean as long as they aren't doing the whole meta thing where it's like oh see we changed now let's pat ourselves on the back yeah, yeah which a lot of shows do i don't know they do it through sing song maybe so <laughs> <laughs> i would say you probably won't like the show liam so yeah. i don't know um speaking of not liking i watched the mandalorian season two really yeah yeah fucking which like it. i i know everything that happens in it and john and another friend of ours uh, had a very uh like almost three hour lengthy discussion on the subject oh i think i was gonna say i should we save this for the post show i would love to Uh, i would love to get into more detail about it but i mean i I have nothing to say about it but i can go on a quick tirade about it later on and then then yeah let's save it let's save it for the post show um so for those of you at home that are listening to this I'm just going to do a plug real quick because we're here. Please do. Um, we're already talking about it. So for those of you that are that are at home listening to this or watching this on YouTube, um, just know that uh, we do have a Patreon account. You can go to patreon.com slash thunderlizard um, for that, and you will be able to find a lot of the shows that are uh, we're doing currently uh, early, um, as well as a little bit of like post-show material. So we're actually recording this on December 12, uh, 28th, um, so a couple days ahead of when we're actually going to release this episode. So you're going to get a post show sometime this week ahead of that episode. So anyway, just wanted to plug that real quick while we have a a room for an audible commercial break. So carry on, John. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Next on my list is Sound of Metal with... Uh, oh, I want to see that Ahmed. so bad. I've heard really good things about it. Although it reminds me a lot of... Have you heard of the movie It's All Gone, Pete Tong by Michael Douse? I have heard that it's a lot like that. It's the only way I've heard it's of the movie. It's just a DJ goes deaf. Because it's... Yeah. Um, oh, who's the star? It's... Uh, Riz Ahmed. Uh, yeah. Riz Ahmed is his name, right? Yes, and he yeah. does a like a fucking fantastic job i was gonna say that like uh he's one of those actors who i like a fair bit but nobody ever gives him good do it uh, was it over the past couple of years like he was severely underused in uh rogue one mm-hmm. um he was essentially just evil elon musk and venom mm-hmm. yeah yeah i, I mean like, not I, just, what? I was gonna say not to say that elon musk is an evil but <laughs> but it's just that but rizabed <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, no, he uh, will definitely be nominated in whatever version of the Oscars are this year. Um, he, he might just take it home. It might go to the lead actor of the next thing I saw. I won't talk too much about Sound of Metal because I want you guys to watch it. I do want to watch uh, it, yeah. And then we'll talk about it. Um, the next one, also streaming um, original Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Viola Davis and uh, Chadwick Boseman. Have you not heard of no, it? No, no, I haven't heard um, of it. It's based off of a play by August Wilson, who wrote like Fences mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's a Netflix original. I'm surprised that you haven't seen it advertised anywhere, but um, it's just like it, 
it takes place in like the basement of a recording studio and Viola Davis is the lead singer, Ma Rainey of this, of this like band. And she's like, no nonsense, really intense. And Chadwick is like the young plucky one in the band who Mm. plays the trumpet. And he's like, I'm going to make a name for myself. And it's just, it's so great. And then the the three other band members are these older um, black gentlemen, the whole band's black. It's about like, it's set in like the 19, early 1900s i don't remember exactly 30s 50s i think 30s to 50s Um, i think so maybe even 1927 i don't know um but uh yeah it's uh it's just really interesting it's just a conversation about like what it means for like chadwick boseman to want to be this very famous um influential person and these older men who are like oh no you're just like you're black you're not going to be able to make it things like that and like i don't know i really really appreciate it um viola davis was honestly unrecognizable well i mean she's always amazing but yeah um and yeah chadwick was like electrifying isn't i mean isn't this one of chadwick's uh one of chadwick's last performances i think it might be the last i I think it's his last one oh there's what if he's he was he's he voiced a little bit in that from what i understand marvel's what if oh okay, yeah i guess okay. he may, he would have rec- at least done some recordings before his passing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um but otherwise yeah one of his last things and it's uh like it was sad to to see just because i mean it's like watching heath ledger in in stuff when he was an up-and-coming star because it was just like damn this guy was gonna like go really fucking far i mean granted Chadwick was like almost twice Heath Ledger's age. Um, when also, uh, also Ledger had been a Hollywood star for a while before uh, he really got recognizable. Like, uh, cause he was already nominated before like the Joker or whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Chaz- oh, with, Chadwick, like, yeah. Chadwick was always one of those guys who like uh, would always get a claim or whatnot. And like among p- fans or whatnot, but not really among like, I guess among credit, uh, what is it among like academies or award shows or whatnot? Like mainstream audience. I didn't, I wasn't aware of who he was until he was cast in Civil War as Black Panther. And I was like, oh, this guy's good. And I knew who he was from uh, 42. But Which I still want to uh, watch. I've not yeah. watched that one yet. One about uh, Jackie Robinson. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, Rainey's Black Bottom, good. Um, the next two movies, um, I think you two, well, I know you two have seen one of each mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'll let you guys do you want me to mention it or you like, uh um, mention the say... one that you that i haven't seen don't mention that one but mention the one that liam's seen so that we can move into liam's ingestion i watched wonder woman 1984 you watched wonder woman yep. liam i didn't know that yep oh, i watched okay. i almost texted you about it yesterday but i was like i'm gonna hold off on this Siftipa, one right yep. yeah yep. because and uh, John and John, myself, and uh, another friend of ours uh, had a discussion about it after it was over because we both watched it within a couple of hours of each other. Right. Um. So. Oh boy. Um. So yeah, to give yeah. some background, whenever like, I, I hear Liam say "Oh boy," that usually means I did not fucking like this movie. <laughs> um. To give some background, I guess to start is uh, I've always so outside of like the Wonder Woman movie or whatnot, like I've always liked Wonder Woman as a character. What happened to Wonder up- Woman's eight like two to eighty three though? Like, I want to know what happened to those. Okay, movies. Dad, <laughs> you got any other jokes? Okay, you knew that entry? joke was gonna happen. Yeah, you knew that joke was gonna. Yes, happen. Yes, because I've heard it before. Okay, good. Yes. Um, um, but so the first Wonder Woman I like. 
I don't think it's a truly great film, but it was a good film that I, that I felt like did that character justice. It was very charming. Um, it has some third act problems, but overall watching it since the theaters, I think it's still a pretty solid enough film. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then with, well, the exception of Justice League, I've liked most of the films DC has put out. And uh, when I was starting to hear about the direction this movie was going and like when uh, like the way things were really looking in the trailers and some of the th- ways I heard Patty Jenkins talk about it, I was like, this actually sounds like something that I would really dig. But it just, it did not come together, really. Hmm. This is one of the most overbaked scripts I have seen in a comic book movie in a long time. Oh, it kind of reminded me of uh, Spider-Man 3 in that sense, where there's a lot in the plot, but very little motion for a long period of time. This is one thing I would like to just add really quickly is, and I mentioned this to Liam yesterday, is that like, I don't understand if people aren't watching like all these movies where there's more than one supervillain and every time it doesn't fucking work or at least most of the time. And it's like, try, try just doing one, but it's like every, every filmmaker is like, no, I can, but I can do it, but I know how to do it. And it's like, but like Pascal is the main villain, right? The whole time. Pretty pretty much. much. Yeah. He plays uh, Maxwell Lord. But I was going to add on to what John was saying with the whole villain thing, which is what Christopher Nolan figured out with with uh, Batman Begins when he decided to use two villains is you got to have a pecking order. Mm-hmm. You got to have like, uh, uh, what is it? You And you got to give like the right amount of focus to each one. Like Scarecrow is not really the villain in, uh, uh, is barely the villain in uh, Batman Begins. He's just working for somebody more powerful. Or uh, the closest thing I could think of who figured out the uh, uh, pecking order thing and I know I've talked to John about this before. It's like kind of like how uh, I was, I mean, it kind of did Aquaman has this whole thing where it's like uh, your main villain is uh, Ocean Master, Pat Wilson. And then you have uh, Black Mana yeah. who's in that movie. Not really, but he's uh, he's essentially there because he's working for the larger villain. Right. So that fits him in fine. But here, like you try to do a whole arc thing for, um, uh, was it Maxwell oh, Lord, but also for uh, uh, Barbara Minerva, uh, Cheetah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and- which, uh, what is it, I guess leads into the biggest thing is, if there's one thing I am really sick of in comic book movies and villains, it's the whole, like, really n- n- nerdy, mousy, like, shit-on person who oh, just yeah. loses villain. Like, uh, we Thanks, got this Joel in Batman. Schumacher. <laughs> no, even before that, we got this in Batman Returns. We got this in Batman Forever. We got this in Batman and Robin. We got this in, um, kind of in Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. We got this in, um... Oh, fuck. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. In fact, this reminded me a lot of Amazing Spider-Man 2, where, like, there's so many balls in the air, but there's so little movement, so little happening. Um, And uh, to talk about another thing is that uh, this movie, uh, I mean, do you think the, the whole Wonder Woman thing, uh, the whole powers thing, John, counts as a spoiler, or should I really get into that? I mean, we all know Wonder Woman can fucking fly. We all know she oh, can yeah, fly. yeah, no, and that... And when that whole thing comes if you don't up in know, the movie, if you don't know that Wonder Woman can fly, then come on. Don't even watch yeah. the movie. But when I watch that movie, <laughs> go, but when go fly but yourself. When, <laughs> but when you get to that plot in the movie, I'm kind of like, that's what this was about. I'm like, it, but doesn't she fly in the Justice League? No, she just jumps really far. Yeah. I guess. Essentially I mean, what she's and, been doing this whole time, yeah. Yeah, no, in the trailer, you have that awesome shot where, like, I thought we were going to see a lot of that where she, like, literally rides the lightning. Where I'm like, that's fucking metal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it happens. Um, it's literally yeah, just a shot from the trailer. Um, and also just 
there are a lot of ideas in this movie that I liked quite a bit. Like I know some people are complaining about one aspect where I'm like, well, the way they were going with the way they seemed to have it set up. I was like, okay, movie, I'm, I'm game. Where are you going with this? And just like everything just pay goes off, does not pay off very well. Like where you get to with Cheetah in the end or whatnot, like, to be honest, all you really get in the end is a really lame fight mm, and yeah. where she looks like, uh, so Cheetah has one of a, one of the most, one of those designs from the comics where you could, where so much possibility you could do with her. And this, she looks like a furry one of the cats from cats. Yeah, totally. I um, will say that like, when it comes to Chris and wig, when I found out that she was playing the cheetah, I assumed it was going to be not good and that it was going to be her fault, but it's not really her fault. She honestly does a pretty decent job. And for the most part, like is like toned down Kristen Wiig. I made the comment immediately. I was like, Oh, is she going to play a Kristen Wiig type in this movie? And then she like fucking falls in her high heels immediately. And I was like, Oh God, but mm -hmm. she's more of a subdued okay. Kristen Wiig, kind of like how she was in the Martian. Okay, cool. We're like she's yeah. still very much she's she's still very much Kristen Wiig, but a little bit more subdued. What? No, very I, subdued. When was the last time you watched The Martian? <laughs> I probably when it came out. <laughs> Not really like that in The Martian, but I, 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 mean, I get what you're just, I get what you're going on with. Yeah. Um, there's also just this whole thing of uh, uh was it so? Uh, I mean, obvious thing. Steve Trevor's back. Yeah. And like uh, the way, so the way it does, I'm like, okay, it's another thing where I'm like, oh. Okay, I'm game. Where are you going with this? But then two seconds later, they reveal how the whole thing works. And I'm like, what an odd, arbitrary way to uh, get to make to explain this or make it work. Yeah, they literally complicate it so much more than they need to. It's they don't even complicate funny. it. They give it a stoop. They give it an they're like, okay, this is how he's here. But I'm like, it's one of the like, I'm like, what, how does yeah. this work? I'm like, they what an odd choice. Post, post show, post show chat, post show chat. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, I want to know. I want to know. I don't know if I want to watch it. So, yeah, no, again. Oh, yeah. And the biggest thing that I thought was the coolest idea that we had was the 80s setting. And this is, and again, you guys all know me. I'm really sick of 80s nostalgia. But the way this was set up, it really seemed like, wow, we might actually get something set in the 80s in our time now that actually might be critical or deconstruct like uh, why the 80s were. Well, well, let's say really fucked us in the long run. I've, I've heard they did jack shit with the 80s setting. Like, yeah. Jack no, there's shit. There's no reason for it to be in the 80s. I right. mean, I appreciate, like, uh, in the trailers, they set up like, that whole thing of, like, it seems to be like we're going to be critical of the whole mentality of, like, greed is good and all of that, but it's... And Coke is great. <laughs> yeah, but there's all, like, but it's like they're not... Essentially where it comes to in the end where I'm like, uh, like, this didn't really amount to anything. Like, to be honest, like... And to be honest, I, I feel I had this a little bit with the first Wonder Woman, but not too badly. It just came off as very woke washed. Mm. And to be honest, like it just made me kind of sad. Like especially <laughs> when I was hearing, Bummer. I was hearing a bunch of things with this movie where it was, uh, was it from like early reviews where it's like it's super hopeful and whatnot, and like it's very like great escapist, like kind of fun, like kind of like a. Uh, but it seemed like they were praising it for uh, like a better version of what I liked uh, in Aquaman, where it was just like pure fun escapism where I was like, okay, maybe we're going to meet this and like have like the fun escapism, but actually cr be critical or whatnot. But it's like, it just, it, it didn't come together. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I did like, I will say uh, just some positives. Uh, 
Uh, Gal Gadot, still majestic as ever. Her and Chris Pine still have a uh, great chemistry. Even great, great if, word, great word to dis- describe Gal Gadot too. Not, not, um, not nothing creepy. Majestic, good choice. Um, there's also um, I also still like the way she fights, and it's not super male gazy, which uh, is a given. Which I I'm happy about, given it does come from a uh, female director. Um, the biggest thing is that, well, one, if you look at again, if you look at this script, there are three people attached to it. And two of them I know are better writers than this. Hmm. Uh, Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns both contributed to this script. But it's also written by uh, Dave Callahan, or Dave Callahan, who wrote uh, uh, The Expendables, Zombieland, Double Tap, wrote a, an unused script for Godzilla, did some rewrites on Ant-Man. Ugh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I'm like, so, not yeah. a... Yeah. Um, and, oh, one more thing I did like is... Uh, People are complaining about how kind of campy it is. I didn't mind that. I mean, it's it's not like what how some people are saying it's very Christopher Reeve-esque Superman. It's Christopher Reeve-esque Superman, the way the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are. Mm-hmm. We're like, they're really corny, but they have their own charm to them. That's fair. Um, But yeah, no, again, like, sorry if I'm super rambly. It's just about like, this movie was super fucking rambly. We were what pretty excited for it, so... And yeah, now, no, again, it I'm just... I'm no longer excited for it, so... Yeah, no, all I could say is Thanks that, you like, uh, usually I'm... And usually with a lot of comic book movies, like, given I love superheroes and all of that, I'll be... I'll give them a little bit more of a give-me here, but this time I'm just, like... I just I just kind of felt... The way the first Wonder Woman movie made me feel kind of hopeful and inspired, this one made me feel a little empty. Oh, well, you want yeah. to move on to the next superhero movie that we both watched, Liam, or you want to wait till that uh, at the end there? <laughs> um, okay. So Christian and I decided... Hold on, hold on. You... Save that one for the end so that you can transition into me. Nice. Seamless. All right. The other one is uh, the other thing I ingested, which uh, I did mainly for therapeutic reasons and just to figure something out for myself. I, is, I rewatched all the Harry Potter movies. All of them? Yeah. Wow. What a binge, dude. Um, and a lot of that came from the fact that, uh, this has been, this past year has been very interesting for Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to leave it at that. It's been very interesting. Yes. Post-show um, like, chat. Yeah, there you go. Inside Another plug and for that. And, uh, so I decided like with the way everything's been with Harry Potter or whatnot, and also realizing that some of these movies I haven't watched since I was a teenager, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to look back on these as an adult and look and just try to see if that lens, looking back on them, if they still be in the same way to me that they do. And uh, I still like, uh, I still enjoy a lot of them, but like, uh, like looking back on them as an adult and with your sensibilities changing or whatnot, like there's a lot in these movies that I do not like at all. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, I will still stand by that. I will always love the first one. Because like I will, I will always have a nostalgic connection there. Even though, even, even is, though it's not very good. <laughs> even if it is, I mean, I think it's craft. Its craft is very well put together, it's, especially it's, for its time. It's still a very enjoyable movie. I still really the, like, um, like Chris Chris Columbus directs his ass off with that movie. There's a lot. There's a lot going the, on. But and it's the biggest thing he ever worked on, and what he was able to accomplish, I was pretty impressed with. I mean, yeah, you could say a lot of the child actors aren't very good, but they're I will the say worst that like, part of that whole movie. I will say that when they're acting with adults, they're a lot better. 
because they actually have somebody with experience to bounce off when it's just them sitting there or whatnot. It's yeah, like, you got a foil to bounce off of when it's just it's like, like Ron. And I'm saying all of this, having only seen two of the Harry Potter movies, the first two, but like when Ron and, 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 uh, Harry are looking at the mirror in the yeah. first movie. It's pretty rough. <laughs> it's like uh, their 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 performances are like pretty cringy, but um yeah, that was that was definitely one that stuck out bare then I guess if I'm going to break them down each one by one, uh, number 2. Oh, well, one outside of it being way too long, it has sequelitis to the overload. Hmm. And I can't remember if it was if it was like that in the book. But like it hits a lot of the same beats, but it's still, uh, what is it? But uh, was it? There's just so much stuffed in there. But even for, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like John, I want to hear you chime in on this because you are a big fan of the material. I just haven't seen the first one in enough time. Is like I and I, well, I, frankly, any of them for that matter. I have not yet to rewatch them with like a critical lens. It's like, and I also can like I just cannot separate. I have a hard time separating my knowledge of the source material um, from what happens in the movies, but I like to consider myself decent at doing so. There's just certain things that certain filmmakers don't understand about the source material that it's like fundamental and they instead focus on things that look cool, which is just a problem we have in this day and age. Yeah. And also with the way Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter just kind of came in like a hurricane of a new millennium and just kind of changed the way we were making blockbusters. Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah, number two, I like well enough. Again, I think it's just like for two, I was at one, it feels really long being two hours and 40 minutes, but even at that, it feels very stuffed. Ah. Um, It's nearly three hours. The second one is nearly three hours long. Yeah. It's the longest one, isn't it? uh yes yeah yeah which is nuts it's like which one is of given the it's shortest one of the, books yeah it's, it's one of the, the shortest, shortest books. books isn't it and it cuts out literally one chapter i think it's like the same length as the first one mm-hmm. um and but yeah there's one part cut out of it and yet it's so long uh there's uh also um and then we get to number three which i still stand by even as an adult is fucking awesome so the first like, two are columbus could... right yep and, and then, then alfonso Quiron comes into this one yeah. And oh boy, like this could have been a very quick, like, uh, oh, I need money so I can make children of men or gravity. But no, Alfonso put his all into this one. Right. You can see it all over the place. You can see him. Like his long takes are so like, as a kid, you don't really notice them. And even as an adult here, like I'm like, there are long points where I'm like, oh shit, they didn't cut. Oh, cool. Um, and especially when you have so many actors in there. He also- I'm uh, a sucker. I'm a sucker for a long take. Y'all know this. He also they're they're knows- very well justified too. I got a lot to unpack. He also, um, at points, he kind of directs it almost like a stage play where, like, the when the adult actors just go full throttle. Hmm. Like, uh, there's one point where it's just, uh, like, Dumbledore walking with, um, well, like, the kids aren't in, allowed in their dorms or whatnot, and he has to act with, like, other, uh, was it with, like, other adult actors, and you could tell that they're just eating that up. There's another point where um, there are these, I don't want to spoil them for you, Christian, because you haven't seen them, but, like, there's this one point where it's just, like, three actors just having a back and forth and you could tell they're just relishing in it. I love how how ham-fisted we are with what we spoil and what we don't spoil. I think it's one of the most charming things about our podcast. I'm not going to um, lie. <laughs> anyway. Uh but spoilers, uh, Harry's a fucking wizard. Boom. <laughs> but uh either way like uh oh, what is it again? Still still fucking awesome. I 
To be honest, I wish that they would stuck to that they just delayed the fourth one and let Alfonso finish. Um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, was it finished? Cham- uh, not Chamber. Uh, Azkaban instead of just rushing into production on Goblet because the reason he didn't come back for Goblet is because they wanted him to start pre-production while he was still editing the third one. Uh, Goblet onward like, is David Yates, right? No, uh, Goblet is directed by some guy who never came back. Hmm. I literally and, always forget his name. Um, like Doug and, or Jones, but it's not Doug Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I've made this mistake before. Um, um, but so uh, then we get into Goblet, which uh, has always been one of my least favorites. And yep, I still stand by it. Isn't it the worst book in the worst movie? It's not uh, the worst book. Yeah, definitely not the worst book. The biggest thing with this movie is that after, well, first, after um, uh, Alfonso, it's so blandly directed. And also that it falls into uh, just if there's anything that'll always turn me off in anything, which is annoying, bad teen drama that nobody cares about mm. to a point where every character turns into a dick. And I know John's going to give me the whole like, oh, well, we're teenagers. Of course, we're going to act like a dick. No, no bullshit. I, even if that is the case, I don't want to watch Excuse that. me. Don't be putting words into my mouth through your fucking computer, please. <laughs> I will say that at the times that... JK Rowling decides to have them be actually like mean and angsty is like for a reason. And the, the movie doesn't, the fourth movie does not understand that every single character is a dick. Yeah. Like for no reason. Yeah, no, it's like what I've said. I mean, I still stand by that when it comes to this teen drama stuff or whatnot, it's like, that's how teens act. The only person who has seems to have figured it out is Bo Burnham with eighth grade Mm -hmm. where I'm like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, every character is kind of a shithead, and I can't stand them, but that's kind of how Ape Great is, and it's actually deconstructive on that. Well, Jonah Hill did well, the same thing with mid-90s, but, you know, yeah. carry on. Well, with this, well, with, um, uh, well, I haven't seen mid-90s. With Harry Potter, I'm also like, I don't go to a Harry Potter to watch this shit. And I'm just going to go th- say with uh, all of them, this is a constant thing that, has remain- that remained through all of the movies. All of the really fun, inventive magic stuff got downplayed. Uh, what is it? And like, I uh, just became like, uh, look at how angsty Harry is. And like, look at uh, all of this where I'm like, I don't care. Like, show me a hippogriff. Show me, um, how was it? Show me like fly, show me Quidditch and flying around. Right. And there's also just the problem of too many fucking characters. Like just too many get introduced. And and could you imagine like, that likes a lot were cut out from the book too? Like there's even more players in the game and in, in the book. Yeah. Where I'm like, I, and I mean, I remember even in a book where I'm like, I don't fucking care. I'm like, just give me a fun adventure. All um, right. Can you, can you hammer I don't, five onwards? What? These are all the David Yates ones. So I think you can, you might be able to lump these. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know, David Yates, uh, I'm impressed that given he had a background just coming from television, was able to helm it the way he did. But I'm like, well, one, outside of a fact, I'm like, you have overstayed your welcome. There's also this point, just yeah. Fact, yeah, there's also Definitely. just the fact that, again, like, him and the guy who did Goblet kind of just continued to slowly suck the fun out of everything. In fact, the one scene that really sticks out for me from the Yates films is where um, their envy is in a and this is one. This is my least favorite one in uh, Deathly Hallows Part One, when we're in the Ministry, and they have like older actors playing. Uh, was it playing uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione disguised as them, and like they have to kind of sneak around without getting caught. I'm like, okay, this is the kind of fun stuff I really like. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what the ride at Universal is based off of. Uh, oh, really? kinda. It is. 
or at least the one I was. Or Liam, I, I watch a lot of amusement park ride videos. Well, I also, <laughs> yeah, you like to watch the same people who go to Disney all the time, but I also haven't been to Universal in eight years. Yeah, it's what the um, yeah, right. But uh, I guess uh, to end it all, I guess just to end it all off with Harry Potter, it's that I did this mainly just again to see how I feel about it as an adult. And like, uh, and I guess my verdict in the end is I still like a lot of these movies and I was it, but I was it, but like, uh, it's kind of hard not to unnotice that in some of JK Rowling's troubling things that kind of sneak in there. Mm. And yeah, I'm like, okay. uh, again, I still enjoy a lot of them, but it's like, you know what? Embrace be- uh, like, they're a big part of my childhood, but I'm like, you know what? Embrace being an adult. Except the fact that your stuff, that the stuff you loved as a kid, is never going to mean the same thing to you, the same, the same thing to you as it did when you were a kid. Mark your words, and man. I think mark your words. Yeah, and I think it's very foolish to just completely attach yourself to your childhood in that sense. I feel like we're gonna have a conversation about that at a later date. <laughs> um, anything else? Um, uh, yeah, and then Christian and I walk together watch New Mutants. We did. We watched. <gasps> New Mutants. Um, Ooh, what'd you think? It is fucking hot garbage. Yep. <laughs> it is hot, hot garbage. It <laughs> I didn't like it very much. I didn't it, think it was nothing awful. Nothing happens. Nothing happens in that movie until the last, what, 10 minutes? And even then, okay, this movie, I'm not, I'm, I do not mind spoiling. Because the big ones. the big fight. Have you seen it, John? Me, no. I I never oh. plan on watching. Okay. Because so. the big fight at the end of the movie is between the New Mutants and a big giant bear um, named Demon Bear. But they kill the bear or they stop the bear by the main character, and I say that with air quotes for those of you listening at home, um, by going up to Demon Bear and going, "No, stop." And then it yes. stops. Fuck yeah. And then it stops uh, like a fucking child. Who is that child. character? Who's, who, I, who, who is, is Anna she? Taylor-Joy? Anna Taylor-Joy um, is not the main character. Okay. She, uh, what is it? I don't know. Like, I know, a, I'm familiar with most of these characters, but even the demon bear, I'm not super familiar yeah, with. Yeah, it's a really obscure um, X-Men character. But uh, what's, who's the main, Liam? What's her, what's uh, her mute name? What is it? Uh, that's how much of an impression this movie left on me. Yeah, um, um, having said that also like there were moments when Liam and I were watching it so just to preface we didn't watch it in person we watched it over discord just want to get that off my chest um, is that we there would be moments where I would pause the movie and I'd be like hey Liam remember that this is a horror movie and it's like supposed to be a horror film it's not scary when things are trying to be scary it's humorous and you can tell Josh, and also it looks and feels and is performed like a CW pilot, like a pilot for Aww. a CW show, the entire thing. Yeah, I don't Which, know. That's how I, I feel about it. As I told it. Christian over there, can be good occasionally, but not for a cinematic film. Not for a cinematic mm. film. Also, it's a shame because there are a lot of actors I like in this movie. Like, I like Alice Braga. I like Anya Taylor-Joy. I like uh, Macy Williams. I I like Charlie Heaton. I'm like Anya Taylor Joy and Macy Williams put on some of the most bland performances of their career. 
which is so disappointing. Because, yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy is very good. You watched The Queen's Gambit, John. I remember you mentioning that, and she's apparently really good in that. She's really good in The Witch. She's really good in in the Unbreakable movies. You know, spoilers. Those um, movies are Unbreakable movies. Even uh, (laughs) what's her? uh, Macy Williams was a perfect choice for uh, Wolfsbane. Mm -hmm. uh, Was it, again, having read the character. Yeah, based on my minimal knowledge of Wolfsbane, but... Um, um yeah charlie heaton is doing this voice where he sounds like uh mater from cars They're, they all are doing accents every single That's one of them is doing really an accent for no yeah. reason yeah, was, like yeah, i mean no, it's it's part of their character but like they could have dumbed it down a little bit you know how like over time elizabeth olsen's character like how Scarlet Witch loses the, loses accent. the accent and yeah. and we've just kind of gotten used to it. They should have done that with the movie is like start it strong and then kind of just taper it off or not do it at all, <laughs> you know? Or just... hire a dialect coach. Yeah, because Anya um, Taylor-Joy, she sound like this the whole movie. And you're yeah, like, you know, what a, I don't what... believe a single Russian accent I hear. I've well, heard so many people do impressions and I'm like, what does it actually sound like? Yeah, I don't not like give, that. That's the American whitewash con- version. Yeah, to give you some context, uh, John, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character is the younger sibling of Colossus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Does she have the same powers? No. No, she... Uh, She's got like a weird ghost sword, lame, and she like talks to a fucking puppet. And... Um, this movie sounds uh, bad. And uh, there's... How else could I... Oh, there was one thing that... Oh, yeah, when we were watching it also, like the plot, like the characters, like every so often, there's a little nice moment where I'm like, okay. Like, but then... Uh, they just drag it out and I'm like, I'll bring something up and I'll be, and Christian and I will start talking about it. I'll be like, so this is Mr. McComics and five minutes will pass and I'll be like, oh, sorry, I'm talking about things more interesting than the movie. More again. interesting than the movie. <laughs> and here's the thing. We would be talking about things more interesting than the movie and we wouldn't have missed a goddamn thing. We And we there was often times where we didn't miss anything and then they'd pick right back up where we, we finished talking. And it was almost like they were waiting for us to finish talking. It was really yeah. nice of them, actually. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, it. so it sounds like it wasn't as disappointing as Wonder Woman because I knew it was bad. So I knew uh, going into it, I knew it wasn't going to be good. Was it like, did you have any fun? Was it any sort of fun bad? Or was uh, it I mean, there is. There's, yeah. There's one thing I will tell you about on break, John, but I think you will laugh at, but yeah, <laughs> to right. our audience, it's not going to mean anything. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's it was some... an in-joke with... Uh, it was an in-joke uh, that I brought up with Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, there's some um, moments that, that are are entertaining, at least in the in the grand scheme of it being a major motion picture, and it's just like, oh, that was kind of cool. Well, that was kind of... That's a neat little thing you threw in there, but it didn't mean anything. Like, you, you need to have many of those to make a good movie, not one of them. Um, anyway, that was New Mutants. Um, Josh Boone could have done better. I'll just say. Also, I've come to realize that I don't think Josh Boone's a very good director. He's not. He's really what not. What else has he done? I'm not uh, really the Fault in Our Stars. Jinx. Which uh, <laughs> I did not. I don't like his uh, version of a Fault in, or his take on the Fault in Our Stars very much. I feel like he lost a lot from uh, uh, was it from the book. Did we not talk about it on the last episode? I think we did. I think we mentioned it briefly. The book made me cry a yeah. lot, but the movie didn't. Didn't do much for me. Although yeah. I love Shailene Woodley. Yeah, me. with the movie, uh, I like I like Shane Woodley and uh, uh, and Willem Dafoe was actually really good as yeah. uh, I Peter forgot Bonham. he was in that. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, he's really. Yeah, that, those are the two things that I really take away from that. Laura movie. Dern's also good in that movie. Just saying. Laura Dern um, and her husband, whose name I forget. I always love him though. Yeah. Oh look, we're talking about things more interesting than movies again. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, um, my turn. Yeah. Yep. We, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Your... That was a transition. Okay. I'm I'm here. Oh, yeah, Smooth. Yeah. Hand the torch. Thank you. Um, another thing that I watched um, that I actually really enjoyed. I also watched with Liam on Christmas. Um. Uh, again over discord is we watched fat man um so liam watched it again okay i really really enjoyed it yeah (laughs) Um, it is not particularly a good movie but it is not it's not bad and also it's just wildly entertaining like there were moments in that movie where i didn't expect certain things to happen like not gonna lie but that (laughs) moment at the end of the movie i was like holy shit (laughs) <laughs> I did um, not. I did not see that coming. Get also, it? For most those of, of, uh, <laughs> most of our viewing experience was also uh, Christian saying, "I love Walt Goggins." I did say <laughs> that a great. lot. I mean, I do love the Gogs. We love the Gogs on this podcast, but we love the Gogs. Yeah, he's great. I had a lot of fun. It's just, it's just. I think it's going to be maybe not necessarily a staple for for Christmas movies like moving forward, but I think a lot of people are going to put it on their list next year. I definitely like to like I move, think moving it'll forward. Be it'll be it'll. I wouldn't say it's going to come to the upper echelon as like Die Hard is, but it's going to be in that same sort of category as like violent, like Krampus and like you know violent yeah, Christmas movies. Weapon, I think Lethal I think weapon. like Kramp- I think like <laughs> Krampus. Gibson. It's go. I think like Krampus, it's going to just kind of become a cult movie. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and it'll be like one of those like people will gather together to watch Fat Man for Christmas, you know? Um, one thing I did have on this viewing, which I didn't really uh, talk much about, which it, uh, was it last time just because I don't know why it just didn't pop up, which is I actually really liked who they got to play Mrs. Claus. Mm-hmm. I actually, yeah. uh, what She's is it? Good. like? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I really liked, especially just the way, uh, uh, what is it? I was. She's probably become one of my favorite on-screen Mrs. Clauses. I yeah, like well, how she's very. I like how she's very no nonsense. You have not seen Barney's Night Before Christmas, but <laughs> I will still. I like. Still I like how she's very. How she doesn't take any of her husband's shit, but she's also very warm and willing to comfort him whenever he's overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she kicks ass, so that's great. Totally. Um. I yeah. I I liked her too. I think their dynamic is is something you don't often see in Mel Gibson movies. For one. Um, because most of the time his wife is dead. So, um, most Mel Gibson movies, isn't oh, that, I think is I'm that, right. Is that a thing? Or he doesn't have a wife. Is his wife dead in <laughs> Lethal Weapon? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And then in Mad Max, his wife dies. Yeah. 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 Mel Gibson can't keep a wife apparently. <laughs> Maybe because he's a fiction, racist. <laughs> in fiction or in reality. Yeah. Um, right. anyway, moving on. Uh, another thing that I watched that I actually really enjoyed, um, I watched, uh, it, it came out in the summertime, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, it was like a Sundance kind of a movie, uh, but it went on uh, Amazon Prime, and that's Palm Springs with Andy Samberg and, and Kristen I really Milioti. Um, I really enjoyed it, too. I, I'm not going to... There's not really much, a whole lot to really say about it in terms of it just like like plot-wise. It's a Groundhog Day movie. Um, that's really all you need to know. It's it's a time-loop movie, um, but the one thing that I really appreciated about it that is that they don't explain... Well, they they do, but it's not like in Groundhog Day where they like the beginning twenty minutes of the movie are setting up why they're in why he's in the Groundhog Day or that he gets into the Groundhog Day. The movie starts and Andy Samberg's already in the time loop. And yeah, and it's like I one thing I really liked about it is is there 
their reveal of information throughout the script because mm-hmm. like the the first it's it's really enjoyable to re-watch that first kind of section of the movie with Andy Samberg knowing that he's done this a million times before because I didn't know when I first watched yeah when it first exactly yeah yeah it's 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 really cool and I just like you know they take their time with with certain bits of information and when they reveal those and I really appreciate I liked it too um also J.K. Simmons is in it and he plays a guy named Roy and uh he's just a hoot (laughs) like I love J.K. Simmons we should just put him in everything because he's just a riot and like anything that popped up in recently it's just been like fuck yeah you're great yeah because i have no problem with this and it's great what's so great about jk simmons is that he's not particularly like i've I've, I've listened to something the other day that i I thought was interesting is that a character actor is somebody who just um can fall into these roles and you kind of forget that it's who they are and jk simmons does that so well same thing with like gary oldman which you know could be characterized as like a character actor where you don't know that uh, that's always Gary Oldman, you know, Gary Oldman's a master of disguise. Yeah. Guy Pierce, same sort of thing, right? Like you don't, um, William Faulkner, like you don't always know that that's them, right? Uh, Bungle Denhouse. Bungle Denhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we're actually, we're going to talk about uh, a movie. We have, we have it on the list. We're going to talk about a Bungle Denhouse uh, movie in April. Um, actually, so get, get excited about that. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, JK Simmons, he, he he just he's wildly entertaining. He's also one of the guys who's in the loop with um Kristen Milioti and uh and JK and um Andy Samberg. And anyway, yeah, it's it's a love story. What can I say? That's what it is. I'm not gonna say anything else really much else about it. Um but I really enjoyed it. I thought it I thought it was I, I had all so many laughs. I laughed a lot. And mm-hmm. mostly because Andy Samberg is moving he, he does he's doing this thing in his career where he's transitioning away from doing dumb, stupid faces all the time to actually saying and doing things that are funny. Um, and I sure. really appreciate It's like how Steve Martin did something very similar. Like with his first couple like albums or whatnot, he'd be a wild and crazy guy. And then he went and did like The Jerk, and he did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And it was just funny mm-hmm. because he was funny. Well, what you know? happened to Andy Samberg is that he always had like the whole being funny thing from SNL, but then he got stuck in the Adam Sandler crowd exactly. for a couple of years. And he's broken out of it. Um, <laughs> and also, Kristen Milioti is just a gem. Like I like her a lot. Yeah, me too. I, I've liked her in pretty much everything she's in. Spoilers for those of you who haven't seen How I Met Your Mother, but she's the mother. Um, but that was like her her like breakout thing, right? That was the first time I ever saw her. Yeah, she did a lot of theater and stuff like that, but then like uh, kind of yeah. came into the the public eye with being the mother on How I Met. She's also mother. in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, she's yeah she's yeah. Jordan Belmont's uh, Belmont is that her name? Belford. Jordan Belford's Belford. uh, uh, first wife. Um, and she's really good in that too. Um, anyway, um, another thing that I watched that I also really enjoyed um, was American Pickle. With Seth Rogen, I haven't and, seen that yet, actually. Yeah, and this other guy also named Seth Rogen. Um, it was cool to watch them act with each other because they looked so similar. Um, but <laughs> this is not an April Fool's Day podcast. No, okay, this one's not. Does uh, he play two like twins or two of the same people? No, do you not know the the plot of this movie? I I, I understood the premise to be he's from like 
I don't know what time, way back when, so, and then travels to 2020. Kind of. Um, yeah. Seth Rogen. Like- so hold on. Let me do this. Yeah. Seth Rogen plays a character um, who moves from the old country to America to start the American dream. And he immigrated. He immigrates here, and uh, he starts working in a pickling factory, chasing rats. And for every rat that he kills, he gets ten cents. Um, and this is like in the like uh, eighteen, like late eighteen hundreds, and uh, and he's in New York or whatever. And then one day, an accident happens where he falls into a vat of pickling juice. And then they put a lid over the pickling juice, and then the uh, the um, factory gets condemned the same day, and it's condemned for a hundred years. <laughs> and then he k- awakens from the pickle juice, and so he's just been pickled for a <laughs> hundred years. And he comes back to New York, and he finds his great grandson, um, and the two of them just try to like. Just do the American dream, you know? And uh, it's actually really sweet. So and, um, he plays his grandson as yeah. well? Yes. So he plays he plays his great his great grandfather and he plays his great grandson. And uh it's just I don't know, it's it's really funny and also such a dumb concept, but then slowly starts to be really, really heartfelt and about like the importance of family and the importance of like but also the american dream and like that's also that's something uh Seth Rogen has always been very good at throughout his career at least when he yes. hit when he hits the mark which is that it's it's always something really fucking stupid or at first glance or you think this is going to be like oh i don't want to watch this and but then as it goes through it's like oh there is a genuine heart to this he literally does it with his characters like he has his characters think that they want one thing mm-hmm. i mostly like think of super bad and then at the end it's like oh this is actually what we were striving for the whole time that or and even that like is the an american of, pickle in a nutshell even honestly well, even watching of a in night a before jar, it's like, like even watching yep. the night before, it's like, oh shit, this movie actually has a bit of a heart to it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, Seth Rogen is someone who's able to like keep their shtick pretty consistent, but really not get old. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I, yeah. So one thing I did want to mention was that um, of outside of Knocked Up, what movie else is he a leading character, a leading, a leading actor? Right. Not many other movies in American Neighbors, Pickle. Yeah. In Neighbors. Oh, true. And Neighbors too. But. Uh, in, but he's in, also co-starring, so yeah. In this one, he is the lead, and he's not only yeah. one; he's both leads. And you don't, and in the back of your head, you're probably like, "Oh, Seth Rogen probably can't carry an entire 92 minute movie," and he fucking carries it, and he carries it very, very well. Um, cool. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and then the very last thing that I watched, I watched this uh, the other day, and I know John has also seen it. Is I watched uh, Soul, Pixar's which, Soul, which I have not gotten the chance to watch yet. Um, John, how did you feel about it? Um, I was like, I, I think it is good and I did like it, but it's, it's just one of those things. Naturally it's coming from Pixar who said it out of the park so many times that I just have an expectation of them. And it's, it's not that they didn't necessarily meet the expectation. It's just that I think that there were aspects of the movie that were, focused on specifically like the part that is most similar to inside out which is what they're really trying to compare the movie to like yeah themselves which i think is a very unfair comparison well it's totally also the same team uh behind uh inside out like pete doctor uh because he well i mean he's always been a mainstay of pixar he did um monsters inc then uh 
did he, I don't think he did. Did he do good dinosaur? Uh, I don't did he do Coco. No, he did. Uh, sorry, he did Monsters Inc. Up, and then after that, he did uh, Inside Out. Right, and now so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, there, there, there's the aspect, and it's like mostly the the first chunk of the film where they're they're exploring things that like I I think it's like interesting concepts, but it's not really like the focus of the film. So I don't know why they took so much time trying to like explain how it worked given when like i think when they yeah. enter act two in the movie that's when that's it when the movie really starts like, yes yeah, yeah absolutely agreed. and i agreed. was like oh i'm on board for this for sure yeah it's without like, without spoiling anything like um yeah just reiterating what john is saying is that is that a lot of like the mechanics of the film don't really need to be there like it's it's it, it's the movie very much like inside inside out you need to have the mechanics you like well, I mean, you need to understand the, and... the world and why things are the way they are inside of Riley's head for that movie to make sense um soul very much as in life and death doesn't make sense so don't try and make sense of it and i think that's a lot of what the second half of the movie is really trying to say especially towards the end john when is his name John? Is the main character's name John? Isn't it Joe? Joe. It's Joe. Yeah, when Joe is sitting at the piano there, um, which is by and large the most emotional part of that movie, and it is, and and for those of you who have seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but that's what the movie's about, like mm-hmm. that, like the very last like 15 minutes of that movie. That like, that is the most. I wouldn't say it's the most gut-wrenching thing that Pixar's ever put out, but it's probably some of the most meaningful stuff that Pixar's put out, especially in this year. And it, like, it was such a well-timed movie for it when was. it came out. Like, I've like, been told, I was going to say, I've heard from a lot of people that this is a movie that, uh, this has one of those things where, uh, kind of like Inside Out, but apparently more so, and this is what a lot of critics are getting down on it for, even if it is getting acclaimed, which is that, for like, it's not gonna mean the same way to kids as it is to adults. Oh God, no! They say hell multiple times, which is pretty fucking weird in a Pixar movie. And and a lot of the content, it, Liam, because and I, I told I told my partner about this after we watched the movie was that Inside Out is very much for kids in the sense that like it's a movie that kids can watch or sorry adults can watch but it's for kids like you're following riley's emotions and trying to figure out her emotions and trying to explain to kids why complex emotions simplifies the concept yeah while soul i'm sorry that's an that's a pixar movie for adults it 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 is like kids can watch it and be like oh this is cute he there's kitty cats in this movie and like oh great but it very much is for adults and and like it doesn't even try to explain mass it 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 does explain the concepts and it does explain like a lot of like the the meaning behind what it's saying but it doesn't dumb it down for kids so it leaves you the the parent to explain to your kid <laughs> like in, I, in inside out i kind of like actually yeah it, it it's great like an, another pixar movie that i can compare it to that i didn't like as much would be onward where like mm-hmm similarly the very end of onward is when the it's when he's looking at that list and it clicks for the character and for the audience like or for at least for me like oh this is what this movie's been about the whole time which was meaningful and i appreciated but it was the setup to get to that point that 
I don't know. I wasn't as invested in the setup, so the the emotional payoff wasn't there as much for me. Soul I enjoyed quite a bit more mm-hmm. than Onward, but it was a similar thing where I was like, oh, I get it. And maybe that's my fault because the whole time I was like, okay, so what are they trying to tell us? And granted, right. what I was predicting to be the outcome was not the outcome, which I, is essentially what they're going for, I think. I, I agree. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I also I feel like yeah no i'm pretty much in the same boat like it like it didn't i didn't think what happened in the last five minutes of that movie was going to happen um i thought it was going to be a much different movie i'm almost getting emotional because it's it is a very emotional movie having said that i think that is one problem with pixar which i think we should have addressed when we were doing our pixar episode year and a half ago great episode is that um I think Pixar's going down a very bad path in terms of making their movie, and it's not necessarily a horrible thing, but it's maybe not the right direction, that they just know they need to make their movies make you fucking cry. Yep, Pixar. I was going to say, I don't even know if it's that they're going down that road. I think it's that they've put out so much that we're starting to really pick up on that. Fair. Okay, yeah, like that fair they enough. have That there is the Pixar formula. Mm-hmm. And and exactly. And there very much is a formula. It's still, it's a formula that works. One plus one equals two. And that just um, works. And it works, I'll, right? So I was going to ask uh, one question, which is, uh, again, I haven't seen it yet, but I know there has been some controversy are you talking about Um, how inside of every black man there is a white woman is that what you're going to talk about uh, john do you you know what i'm talking about about? that part because i know uh, yeah i in fact when when my roommate and i were talking to liam about this yesterday i literally muted yeah i have heard about about, i I don't i'm not going to tell you i'm not going to tell you that's all i'm going to say that is my biggest problem with that movie though is that what people are saying about it i only assumed that that's uh, my biggest problem one i've heard is oh you have an actual problem with that one, I've heard PS people going off and saying, like, why do you always have to... T-? And again, this is what I'm going to call... Uh, uh, what is it? I'm going to try and be tread carefully with this, but there's one thing that's brought up whereby every person um, who has criticized this is not a person of color, but it is uh, one of those by the power of white girl, I'm offended moments where um, it's like all uh, black uh, characters need to be turned into uh, animal or whatnot, where it's like, or something else. Oh, so, so, and and, yeah, I'd say stop what you're saying, because I don't want to spoil the rest of the movie there. I would say stop what you're saying, because we, without going on, without going into that, we're going to ruin it. But I do kind of agree with you, is that, yes, that is kind of a problem in... I don't agree. But I don't agree with it. I don't, I, it makes sense in the, in the movie. I think the way that they handled that one element of it, I don't know. I still have some problem with one aspect of it where it's just there is a character swap and there is a character <clears throat> who is not of that race portraying a character inside of that body that I have a problem with. I, I have to say that like I disagree with you. As soon as it happened, I think as a white person, I had this pang of like, uh-oh. And then I was like, you know what? I don't think it fucking matters. And the fact that Liam has so far observed that it's mostly white people talking about this i think that's pretty indicative of like yeah that's fair that it's not really a problem especially to the point where this was co-written and co-directed by a black man and there are a lot of black content creators that i i've i've listened to talk about it who haven't even mentioned it at all haven't even mentioned it once so what i also say that i'm happy uh at least based on my knowledge of it is that after uh, we got the biggest movie in the world, La La Land, otherwise known as White Savior Jazz, 
we're actually yeah. getting a movie where jazz is a very predominant uh, predominant element and the main character is a person of color because yeah. i yeah. get really tired after la la land i get very tired of explaining to people that i'm like jazz was a predominantly black movement that a bunch of white people came and took away yeah. from them yeah one thing about the black black aspect of soul though and i i did watch um a video by like a black youtuber who i follow he he really appreciated that like what were his examples um coco was one where it's like steeped in mexican culture mm -hmm. moana was the other one where like not as steep but Maui definitely culture, about yeah. the yeah polynesian uh, polynesian, uh, polynesian. Yeah, polynesian uh, maori yeah and uh and then this movie is not that it's not a movie about the black experience it's a movie that contains a black lead who just happens to have experienced the black well, experience. I mean, and in, in some capacity, it, it kind of is a little bit about the black experience, at least in, in the sense that it's like a lot of the settings and a lot of the places are, are, are totally. Yeah. That's from what a I mean, black perspective. Like, he, he has, he has lived the black experience, but the movie isn't like, here's what the black experience right. looks like. Right. It's like, here's what the black experience looks like. But yeah. Here's the and, and story in, we're telling. And in the sense of it being the, because I guess in the grand scheme of thing, grand scheme of things, it's not technically a white person inside of a, a, a black person. No, it is a soul. And it's a soul that, that has not movie been. Where she, she explains why she has that voice. I, that's one part of the movie I didn't like. I was like, okay, so you're literally justifying casting a, like famous white woman in a role that could have gone to like not even a black person any other um, race yeah. like, i guess i can uh, even sound like you <laughs> before i guess yeah, uh yeah. the last thing i was gonna ask before we overstep our bounds is uh was before we potentially overstep our bounds is is this do you guys get the feeling of how this is another like disney uh washing themselves up and being like look at how woke we are no or i don't do think like that. there's actual no. merit here than no, I, I don't. I don't think that's what the movie's about at all. The movie, the movie is about, without spoiling it, it's about living every single moment of your life to its fullest, and yeah. and, and enjoying every single minor, tiny thing in your life, and living it as if it's the biggest thing of your life, and not yeah. doing it in a negative way. Like yeah. even knowing that the negative things in your life are still leading to a positive. Like mm -hmm. that's what the movie's about. It's not about patting themselves on the back. It's not about telling a a, a story about a, a a person of color. It's about living life. I think know? it's just that's something I would be concerned about. As John and I have discussed many times in the past, this is a notorious thing that Disney has fallen into as it of is. late. It Absolutely. Is. But what this movie did, which like is something that I I I think is great, is that like like I said, they didn't make it about that. They, they hired a black man to co-write and co-direct it, which is like giving him an opportunity, showcasing a black protagonist who's just in a movie and it's not about them being black. It's like, it is, it is that representation and at least Pixar used their platform to do that, mm -hmm. which is like, that's, that's what needs to be done. If yeah. Disney wants to like stay around, like do different shit like that go to winnie the um, pooh again oh uh sorry <laughs> let I, pixar I said handle that i said that was my last but before we go to break i do have one more oh we question. gotta do we gotta do recommendations Liam, oh but right yes, what's your I'll, I'll yeah, yes. um how's the music it's so because, goddamn good uh, yeah because yeah, nine inch nail or sorry Fred not, nine, Atticus yeah, Ross, but, yeah, yeah sorry i will always just say nine inch nails which out is of my... it is that is nine inch nails but yeah yes. where i'm like how 
Like, how is it? Because I so, am a big fan. I don't of their think work. I don't think they they did a lot of the jazz, but I think that I mean, there's a lot of music that's like very ethereal and like really like I mean, heavily instrumental because that's what it is. That's what they do, and you know, like very electronic and but also it it doesn't. You know how in um, social network it's like it's like it's really and then, boxy like, like, like that very soft. And members like that very soft, like, dun. Yeah. In this, it's very sweeping, trying to, like, comfort you, like, make you feel very into the moment. I never thought I would ever be talking about Trent Reznor from the Nine Inch Nails scoring a Pixar film, but here we are. There have been a... I mean, yeah, no. Well, they've also been doing a lot more uh, film work as of late. Like, they produced yeah. the music for Watchmen. Yeah. I believe they were almost contracted to do the music for the Batman. Oh, that would have been cool. But it just didn't work out. Where I... Um, I do think... I don't like jazz. I've never hid that. I don't like jazz. It just doesn't... Just play the notes. Um, but it doesn't do anything for me. Um, having said that, it, did it, it definitely helps this movie. It's the same thing with, like... Two of my, I wouldn't call Soul a favorite movie, but one of my other favorite movies of all time is uh, Whiplash, which I've never, also never hid. And that movie's about jazz. <laughs> like, is it's like oh, you, we also whole, you're gonna listen we to also nine, know ninety that, minutes of jazz. I mean, I also know that whenever we watch it, a certain show, you go, okay, three, two, uh, one, yes, let's jam. Yes, yes. I also like <laughs> Cowboy Bebop because the jazz. Um, but yeah, I think the music in in Soul, like I said, not Donald. I don't think Trent Reznor performed it, but I think they definitely composed it. A lot of the jazz cool. instrumentals. I wouldn't be surprised if they had their hands in most of it, given that they are two guys who just do play around a lot with different things. Of me, would do. like I've always described Nine Inch Nails of like they will always stick their foot in just whatever and see what they can play around with in music. I don't think you know a lot about Nine Inch Nails. Or I mean, that's, maybe a, con- like, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> I mean, like, or at least, like, I mean, like, they're, I mean, maybe not their foot, like, but they'll at least dip their toe and at least, they'll always at least try something and see if it kind of works. Not, no, go all the way in, but they'll, like, maybe, like, take this note over here or whatnot and, like, maybe (laughs) this and see really what we could create with it. Yeah. I mean, you're not entirely wrong. Okay. Anyway, that's soul. So it's funny how we each had one big thing. Which is kind of I like that I like that about the ingestion is that hey, the ingestion is usually longer than the real fucking show. Um, it, yes. It's the holiday special. It's our holiday special. <laughs> it's our Christmas special. Remember, remember we did a Christmas special a couple of years ago because it didn't yeah. happen. Um, anyway, the last thing that I want to mention is also my recommendation. Um, I watched a movie uh, that came out in 1999, uh, and it is it is called American Movie. It is a documentary about a man who is trying to make a feature film called Northwestern and slowly starts to fail making that movie and has to go back and remake a movie um, or finish a movie he was making called Coven, spelt Coven, C-O-V-E-N. He pronounces it, yeah, because he's from Milwaukee. Um, (laughs) And the movie, like if you've never, so this is why I'm recommending it is because if you've never um made a movie or you've never been a part of the creative process this is the or if you have this is the fucking movie to watch because it shows you why someone is so passionate about something but also things and reasons that will hold them back and prevent them from from living out their dreams to the fullest so the our main character in the in the in the doc is um his name his name's Mark I believe uh, Mark Bouchard 
and he's still making movies to this day. He's still he's do, still doing things. He's popped up on Family Guy. He's been on a couple episodes of of uh, David Letterman. So he's around and he's done stuff because of this movie. So you can thank American Movie for that. But um, he he was an alcoholic, and so a lot of his life is being pulled back because of his addiction. And kind of, you know, stopping him from from living his life to the fullest and, and also completing these things that he wanted to do so bad. He does a lot of them. He does complete a lot of his dreams and hopes and whatnot. But I, when, we, when I was watching this movie, so I watched it last night, I was like, holy shit, did they do a documentary about the making of In the Trees? Because <laughs> I was like, this is my fucking life. But in the 90s and in Milwaukee for some reason. And also I'm not a raging movie. alcoholic. So... <laughs> Um, I mean, I know you do like some old Milwaukee. I do. I not anymore. <laughs> but here's the thing: Mark drinks a lot of these. I'm not. Don't show the label. But if you know what that is, you know what that is. It's uh, in every movie. I don't know if they're just like they specifically are like, yeah, I'll put it in your ring, give us a little <laughs> bit, you put it in your... and so much. You're a raging alcoholic. You're gonna love our beer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, I, that's my recommendation, recommendation for this week is American movie. Um, also directed by the guy who directed, um, fire that Netflix film about fire festival. So, yeah. So, you know, notorious kind of documentary filmmaker. Um, Liam, what's your recommendation for this week? I'm going to recommend a movie that not a great movie, but it's a movie I like quite a bit that I don't think it was a big hit when it came out and I don't hear people talk about very much. And that movie is called lawless. Oh, with yeah. uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Tom uh, Hardy. Oh, shit, hold on. I got to read this whole thing. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Mia was Wachowska, Jessica Chastain, and Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Solid. I know. Uh, have you seen that one, John? Or no? It's good. I know. I know. I rented it to Chris. I loaned it to Christian rented at one it. point. <laughs> um, but like, uh, what do you? It's pro- uh, was it? It does have some of those things, or where where I feel like I should hate it, where it says like based on a true story where I'm like, no, not really. It's based <laughs> on stories that uh, the person told to his grandkid about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a movie uh, written by uh, Nick Cave, uh, the, the singer the musician, about the, yeah. Uh, yeah, about the uh, prohibition era in uh, Boston. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It, um, I wish it was rated R. Cause it, it def- was rated R dude. It's fucking violent. It doesn't, it I doesn't have an R rating here because we have 14A, but uh, yes. everywhere else it's rated R. I do remember it being quite violent. But Yeah, there's uh I remember uh cuz I saw when it came out, I saw it in the theater with my mom and my brother who uh, uh was it again? It was a lot younger than me at the time and I remember my mom having to cover his eyes at one point uh, cuz of how bloody it got. Yeah. Um one of the most interesting things about it is that according to most historians, it's very accurate to uh, the Prohibition era. And the rum running and everything, yeah. Yeah, and I was even talking to a, uh, was it somebody I know who, uh, he was, uh, he said that he recommended it to one of his friends who's a teacher. And he's like, yeah, if you need to teach a class of a Prohibition era and you want something to show, just show, their kid, just show your kids this. <laughs> you gotta get the parent- parental slips, but this is the um, one for you. Hey, if they can watch Schindler's List, they can watch that. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I will say that... Um, it's one of those movies that after so many years of Transformers, it proved to me or reminded me that Shia LaBeouf can be a genuinely good actor. Yeah. Although uh, we're, Shia LaBeouf's kind of on the blacklist right now. Yeah. He's uh, apparently, he is in very, very big trouble right he's, now, apparently. He's kind of a piece of shit. So, um, um yes. and, uh, I will say, um, 
uh, what do you call it? Tom Hardy and Jessica Chastain. They uh, kind of are a thing in this movie, which is weird. It, you, it sounds really weird, but they actually work really well together. And mm-hmm. I never thought I would say that about those two. Uh, cool. The best part, though, by far is Guy Pierce is the villain. Like uh, this is, I joked about it earlier, but this is where it kind of proved to, where he kind of proved to be that Guy Pierce is a master of disguise. You don't recognize him at all. Yeah, and he's just like fucking evil in this. Like he does some some really fucking sadistic things. Where by the end, when uh, where his story leads, it's like, yep, <laughs> I really wanted to see that happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'd say it's it's pretty close to being a companion piece to like the Revenant in a way. I say that because of Tom Hardy, but also because of like a lot of the themes and whatnot. But, it's also uh, directed by the same guy who did The Road. Right. Um, I haven't seen that one either, but I want to. Um, also pretty good. Uh, the last thing I'll say about it, this is a weird thing. I I read through top billing when I was going through the cast, but Gary Oldman is third billed in this movie, and he only has two seeds. Oh, yeah. There's one seed where he shoots up a car with a Tommy gun, and there's a seed where he talks to him about their product, and that's it. He's just that reminds a... me of, uh, I forgot to mention, Fast Times at Ridgemont High apparently stars Sean Penn, but he's barely in it. What? Like, <laughs> it's Jennifer Jason Lee's movie. Technically, but Spicoli has a lot of scenes, dude. I don't think, like, when was the I've last seen time you that, watched it? I've seen that movie a lot. Spicoli I has quite just, a bit going on in that movie. I think it's because he was just, like, so good in it that I was like, where the hell is he? By the time... Like I, I had seen the scene where he comes into class late for the first time with the new teacher, um, um, and uh, I didn't realize that that's like his second scene in the movie, and it's like what twenty, thirty minutes in. Like he, he pops up and he's very, very like memorable, but he's in surprisingly few scenes. He is, but I, I mean, I, I say Jennifer Jason Lee is the the lead. She is the lead. A, that's not a lie. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I just think yeah. it's like her, it's her and like Phoebe Cates and stuff. Yeah, the yeah, yeah the guys oh, that she's with, she's Judge Reinhold and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, and uh, Nicholas Cage is there for two yes, scenes. Yes, I only saw one shot of him, <laughs> yeah. but uh, in two anyway, scenes. that's not it's not like that's my recommendation. Although you know, it's on Crave, if you want to watch it, um, my recommendation is um, one I plucked from my ingesting this week, which is Okja. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as you both know, and some listeners or viewers may know, am a vegan. Um, as of the start of the pandemic, I decided to switch. I, I thought it was sooner about than it much. Oh, I thought it was. No, I was a vegetarian oh. for a year. And then when the pandemic started, I, me and my girlfriend cut out dairy and we've, we've stuck to that ever since. Um, and um, I don't talk about it much because I know that it bothers a lot of people and it's a pretty controversial topic. So it's I not really take... controversial. It's the problem with is that too, a lot of people really make it look bad, which is yeah, a shame. As long because... as you're not yes, virtue signaling, yes. then I, I think guess that's okay. what I mean by controversial is like, yeah, don't try to make other people feel bad about it. Regardless, I will use this opportunity to talk about it in the context of this movie. Um, it is like, it's, a, it's about a. Um, like the uh tilda swinton is the ceo of a company and she makes a bunch of super pigs like 26 or something super pigs that she sends around the world to be raised in the way that whoever takes them raises them and then they're going to be put in like a show they're essentially lying to uh american consumers saying like oh this is meat that is made without any any harm like there's no gmo and no harm to the animal and you can feel okay eating meat and the movie proves that this is not the case 
And um, the relationship between Okja, who is the giant pig uh, in question, and um, his owner, um, this little girl from uh, Korea, uh, have like fantastic chemistry. He's adorable. And uh, after he's taken by Jake Gyllenhaal to like go back to America to essentially be killed, slaughtered um, for meat, um, there's a ragtime team of misfits led by Paul Dano, including Steven Yoon and huh. other actors who are, I don't know as well, um, but they're essentially like uh, against animal cruelty vegans, but it's hilarious because they're like the whole time they're do they're trying this heist. They're like pushing people aside being like, we're trying not to harm you. We are a nonviolent or organization. <laughs> and like, it, it's just, it's really great stuff. And it's, it's a very heartwarming film. And then it gets to, the nitty gritty of, of what's actually happening to Okja and what she's going through. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the movie, I won't spoil it. So I won't say too much of what goes on, but we talked last episode about movies that make us cry. And this movie made me like weep, like I have not done in a very long time. And I don't know if that's just because of my personal connection to the cause but the Vong Joon-ho, who wrote and directed this, mm -hmm. does not shy away from like showing, I for most audiences essentially like the hypocrisy because I'm recommending this movie for if anyone hasn't watched it, watch it, and if you still consume meat or any animal byproducts and yet care about what happens in this movie, maybe reevaluate the way that you feel about these things and okay. that's what i'll say because holy crap and the ending is like it's it's fucking phenomenal for one second i was super underwhelmed but then i was like oh shit that's entirely the point and i cried more god well what i like what i did like about uh okja is the fact that um it is uh what is it like a lot of the arguments or whatnot and what it's trying to convey i have heard before like very important arguments and things to consider about the meat industry and like animal rights or whatnot and it's a lot of arguments that i've heard many i was it before in the past and like i was it and to be honest to some extent kind of agree with but uh what is it i uh, was a bong joon ho does it in a way where like uh he tells it as if i haven't as if i hadn't heard it before mm. and yeah, for and me yeah. that's a sign as a great of a great filmmaker his choice to use like a fictional mutant pig as the titular character is like really interesting and 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 very well done at the end of the day um yeah and uh my second recommendation is to play a game of cribbage um <laughs> it's uh it's great it's and the holidays play actually, some crib if you, if you don't have a crib board you can use a calculator just add up your total to 121 points use a deck of cards it's a great fun casual game at nice. least it was at least it wasn't at least you were recommending that instead of recommending playing avalon for the 10 billion time we all love avalon, avalon is also a great game you can't knock it also uh sushi go is a lot of fun anyway we played that this morning it's Very fun good it's stuff. fun so yeah. for those of you that uh, maybe want to hear john talk a little bit more about movies that also made him cry go back and listen to our last episode uh, you can find that on all streaming services this has gone on for quite a while this is probably our longest ingestion in a long time um so uh this is gonna be a long one uh sorry about that for everybody out there but uh that's just the way she goes sometimes um anyway uh this has been the ingestion and our recommendations for this week we're gonna go for a quick break and we're gonna be right back <laughs> oh he didn't deny it this time he didn't say no okay. hey but person who i did it with doesn't listen to a show where i don't think care enough uh, how do you know she doesn't listen what if she does what if she's a huge fan 
Hi, Miranda. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. I hope you enjoyed that nice little respite from us rambling about movies for an hour and a half. Um, maybe not an hour and a half. Maybe. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, it depends on how much I want to cut out of that. Uh, probably yeah. none of it. We'll find. We'll find out later, as uh, John and I were discussing on break, that uh, luckily, unlike a lot of people, we have final cut on how this works. <laughs> you do? I do. I have final said, cut on this. Um, and it, anyway, yeah, but I can also step in and be like, no, 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 you're going to change this. Lib, you don't, you don't, you, but you never see the show until it comes out. So Yeah, and then I, if there's a problem, I'll message you about it. And you'll be I like, have uh, had to fix something in the past. Anyway, um, speaking of movies, we are going to be talking about Christmas movies that are not really Christmas movies, slash movies that you watch at the holiday season to get yourself into the spirit, the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the holidays, not necessarily Christmas, um, you know, whatever holiday you happen to enjoy in the last month of the year. Um, anyway, uh, I'm kind of fucking bogged down from that ingestion. <laughs> that was a lot. Yo. I definitely don't have, I don't have nearly as much to contribute <laughs> as I did for my ingestion. So. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, to kind of get things rolling, to get the ball rolling, I know Liam kind of already talked about it, but we, we, we talked about a great length in the ingestion about Harry Potter. Um, and I think Harry Potter is one of those movies that really a lot of people would consider a Christmas movie, even though it is not at all a Christmas movie. A lot movie. of it is because in every movie, about... there's at least one point where it takes place at Christmas. Even Goblet, sure, though? Sure, but the first, the first one, uh, Christmas definitely slaps, like, the hardest. True. Yeah. Like, that's... It, it and also like you know Harry has his invisibility cloak, it's like it's huge. It's a, and in Goblet they have uh, the Yule Ball. Yes, that kind of replaces Christmas. They play yeah, Wall Ball. Okay. No, it's uh, <laughs> this big. Uh, it's this big uh, dance that they have because it happens the same time that the tournament that we're doing happens. Which oh. in the movie they really butcher. It's kind of pointless in the movie. That is to say, my roommate who edited the, his own version of the movie just cut that scene out entirely. <laughs> it didn't change anything. Get I mean, rid I of it. I don't really need. I don't really want. As I said when I was talking about Harry Potter, I don't really want to watch uh, bratty, annoying kids just bitch to each other on Christmas. Yeah. Well, on that note, then we may, maybe we shouldn't talk about uh, Jumanji. But uh... <laughs> I actually brought. I have Jumanji is one of those ones that plays all the time at Christmas, so I added it to my list. Me too. I also have it on my list. I mean, Jumanji is one of those ones. Again, there is a scene at the very end of the movie that takes place at Christmas time specifically. Um, that I think that's yeah. one of the, another one of those reasons why people kind of tie it into being a Christmas movie. Um, I mean, it's very similar to a lot of like Shane Black films where they aren't Christmas movies, but they take place at Christmas time. Well, Shane Black actually has a very specific reason for why he includes Christmas. Yeah, so I know we were going to kind of talk about it with uh, Die Hard because we knew it was going to come up here. Die Hard is, is a movie that a lot of people argue is not a Christmas movie. It is, in fact, a Christmas movie. It is, yeah. by definition, a Christmas movie. Like, the, <laughs> What do you mean by definition? So uh, the definition of a Christmas movie is, Liam, you have a really good definition. Um, I feel like to qualify as a Christmas movie, it needs to, uh, well, one, Christmas needs to be a major element within the story or characterization. Um, again, I'm going to kind of try and paraphrase what uh, Shane Black talks about because what he talks about with uh, the way he includes Christmas is also how I define Die Hard, which is uh, Shane Black likes to use Christmas because Christmas is the time of uh, being together or whatnot, but he writes uh, includes Christmas in a way where 
his characters are all alone or whatnot and they have like none of that uh what is it so he uses that as a way for them to feel alienated around the most wonderful time of the year very interesting like notice how uh john mcclane is pretty alienated at christmas and doesn't have it and his whole goal is to try and get his wife back so that they could spend christmas together mm-hmm. um lethal weapon kind of has a similar thing with christmas being in the plot and how um uh was it uh Oh, what is it? Uh, Riggs is a um, Vietnam War veteran who's completely alienated and losing his mind and is completely alone around that time of the year. Yeah. I just, sorry, I just found a, a Hollywood Reporter article that says uh, um, most important, but the most important element of those six titles, there's movies that they list in the article, um, and every other film mentioned in this article so far is the meaningful use of Christmas in their storytelling. In a full-fledged Christmas movie, some aspects of the season informs our experience of the story in a significant way. Since Christmas can instantly lend meaning to so many points of the emotional spectrum, a Christmas movie's overall tone can be romantic or plainful, poignant or satirical. Um, the despair that Jack Lemon ex- excludes while drinking alone in the bar in the apartment is given as much added meaning by the Christmas Eve setting as James Stewart's joy at the end of a, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Would Die Hard work if, the, if it were set on a night other than Christmas Eve? The story would work, but John McClane's character arc would not work. Like the story itself of John having to fly to um, uh, Los Angeles... And, and et cetera, et cetera, like it would just be a vastly different experience. Um, sorry, Liam, I was, I was half listening while I was reading this article. Um, another thing that I, I read, so what we're getting into, um, which, so like Liam was saying, a Christmas movie is more so about like the character's arc in, in the setting of Christmas. Is that kind of what I was gathering? Yeah, like, and uh, I was saying that Shane Black uses it in a way particularly where he makes buddy movies and sets them around Christmas. Right. Because Lethal Weapon, really in the grand scheme of things, is about uh, two uh, new detect- two detectives partnered with each other who don't like each other very much that learn to become friends, both alienated people, and it all happens on Christmas, and he uses Christmas as a way to showcase like being together. Right, togetherness and, and whatnot, which is where we're taking the definition of a Christmas movie and kind of flipping it. So the other thing, which is also a Hollywood Reporter um, article, is... Um, uh, on the flip side, yet another way to define a Christmas movie is a film that we love to revisit with friends and family at Christmas time, not only for a holiday content, but simply for its pure escapist entertainment value. So that's kind of where we're at with what we're talking about. We probably should have defined that right off the hop, which is why like something like Harry Potter, Jumanji, um, even Mean Girls. Mean Girls is a movie that's not Ooh, a yeah. Mean Girls is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> it has a scene that takes place at Christmas. It's iconic. It, very well. iconic. Um, <laughs> one that I spoke, I was talking to my brother a little bit about where he defends it as being a Christmas movie. I don't really agree with him. Is he said Edward Scissorhands? It's not. So I said, no. I actually on my list, I have Tim Burton movies just in sure. general. Oh, I have Batman Returns on there as well. Where yeah. I'm like, though Batman Returns is more of a Christmas movie than some of the other, like Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic I mean, Park is another movie that's not really a Christmas movie, but I could watch that at Christmas time. I mean, in the Batman holiday season, I need to stop pay, like putting the, the name on it, but at the holiday season, right? You celebrate it. That's um, fair. My name is Christian, yeah, no, and I celebrate Christmas. <laughs> um, with like Batman Returns, it does have some of the tropes of a lot of Christmas movies, like the greedy bad guy or whatnot, and like it does take place on the eve of Christmas or whatnot. But the reason I don't see this as like because the characterization of what that movie's story is doesn't really 
It's too Ed- muddied to really come in with Christmas for Ed- my taste. Edward Scissorhands or Batman Returns? Sorry. Batman Returns. Right, right. Sorry, I thought we were still talking about Edward. Um, the thing with Edward on the flip side is that Edward's more of like about a um, a loner who learns to like himself and learns to respect, or not respect, but just like understand that the world is not necessarily out to hate him. And then they flip it on its head and it's totally like, no, everyone hates you, run away. <laughs> yeah, I definitely saw it as just like this, like he... No matter how hard he tries, it's just like the world is unfortunately not fit for him. Right. Which like, is an idea that Tim Burton can never seem to get away from whenever he makes a movie. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that is kind of a, a Burton shtick. Um, another thing that I have written on my list, uh, Liam, I actually, I'll let you, I'll let you cover one because we probably have very similar lists, Liam. Um, yeah. So this was an interesting one to put together because. It's not really a subject I think too much about. Um, again, like, uh, uh, was it the biggest one? Again, the biggest ones that we've already really talked about are uh, Jumanji and Edward Scissorhands or Batman Returns, mm-hmm. where like people love to, particularly Batman Returns, where people love to go off and say that's a Christmas movie. And I'm like, maybe by 2020 standards, but sure. <laughs> I'm like, like yeah. I don't know. Another couple of things that I have on my list are, are just, in, I have a couple of uh, Pixar movies on my list, which. Oddly enough, Soul having come out at on Christmas, um, I think for a, a long time uh, people are going to consider it a Christmas film in the same way that they consider Toy Story a Christmas film. Although Toy Story, having said that, does have I think the first two have scenes that take yeah, place during the holidays. The first, the first one, the ends, first at one Christmas. ends at Christmas. Yeah. I know the first one ends at Christmas. It's like a poppy. I don't think the second one has any any Christmas in it. Not even North, with uh, with Jesse's song. When uh nope, that's uh I believe there might be a second of Christmas. I don't know, but yeah, like, I mean most I of that movie Counts. takes place during summer. Yeah, so yeah, that's true because it's a they have a garage sale. I remember Toy Story two very fondly. Um, having said that, that's that that's one of those movies where I think a lot of people will go back on it and and watch it during the holidays because of its you know you know familiar um familiar way of being it's just one of those movies that like you can sit down with your family and and not think for a little bit and then you know maybe have a little bit of a hmm that was nice i don't hate these people as much as i thought i did um i guess it's also this is also weird for me to talk about because most of the things i watch around the holiday season are very christmas driven like because a lot of the time I'll be end up watching like Christmas episodes from some of my favorite shows. Yeah, I mean I watched like, uh, act- the Trailer Park Boys holiday special. Um, like uh, there's actually this one episode of uh, Justice League that's completely set at Christmas, where it's actually uh, really charming. What where happens? like uh, you have uh, you have the Flash who's uh, he goes to visit an orphanage every Christmas and they want this one specific toy, so he rushes out to go get it, but he gets ca- uh, was it caught caught up in this conflict with uh, the Ultra Humanite. That's one story, and then they end up like just deciding like okay we'll make a truce and then they just build they just essentially uh work on the toy together after it gets broken so it could get dropped at the orphanage right um clark takes um uh was it martian manhunter home for christmas because he has nowhere to go as mars is a dead planet now and like so he gets to spend his first christmas with the kents um there's uh this this charming little one with uh uh, what is it where uh, since John Stewart and uh, Hawk Girl have nowhere to go, they go off and spend the evening fighting crime together. But they also, uh, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, they all he also since she has nowhere to go, he teaches her about like making a snowman or like oh, snow angels. That's nice. Is this the one that has the this? Because you mentioned the the Kent's at Christmas. I saw just like a, a picture of it 
of uh his his dad saying like yeah i we had to wrap your presents in tinfoil so that you couldn't see through it and, and he goes you mean, you mean santa, santa. Ref- <laughs> yeah that's a very funny moment in that one that's, that's a real is that a real moment yep that's a thing in that episode <laughs> clark literally says to dad to paul kent he's like you mean santa had to write <laughs> that's super funny. that's fantastic you know santa is actually a pretty big character in a lot in the marvel universe like there was a moment when um and also in in the dc universe but there's a moment in the marvel universe where they give him the infinity gauntlet and that goes really poorly and then uh obviously because he's santa and then they take it away from him and anyway anyway you can there's this is this in uh the x-men uh evolution episode where they first introduce uh where they do a christmas episode uh was it it's actually uh what is it it's actually where they first introduce Angel, and it's just uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was it Cyclops and Rogue, since they're orphans or whatnot, they go to meet up with him, and they essentially have a Christmas Angel type experience. That's cool, and it's actually kind of charming and heartfelt. And at the end, uh, it shows like uh, where uh, all of the other X Men are during the break, because since a lot of them can go home, like so, you see Jean Grey with her family or whatnot. You see Logan off in a bar somewhere, just doing whatever. Yeah, um, you see. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Professor X and uh, Beast just kind of enjoying hot chocolate together. So I do. Um, I, oh, go ahead, John. I, on, on the topic of the X Men, X Two in particular feels like a movie that is a Christmas movie, and it is probably due to all of the snow. Um, sure. And also, Iceman was always my favorite when I was a kid. Um, so just that cold element to it. Um, but I but think yeah, that one also wasn't fits. Even on my list, that but. that one also fits because it's. Um, I think X2 really X2 is where X2. they probably should have ended the franchise but it also is a little bit more of like where it shows them kind of coming together to fight is it Magneto at the very end with no the Brooklyn no, Bridge the um, Brooklyn Bridge the, the set, William Striker 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 right, right. Um, um but yeah. that movie has nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever it's <laughs> it's not set at Christmas at No all. it's not know. but still saying that like you know they're by, still learning to become a family of their own that's right. You know, <laughs> sometimes you got to do that around the holidays. What do you have on your list, John? Did you sorry? Did you go through um, yours already? Or? No, I have not gone through. That wasn't even on my list. Um, I went in a different route. I mean, like these are mostly uh, movies that I've enjoyed with my family. Um, the first one is not actually personal to me, but I just always want to shout out Paddington as much as I can. Paddington yeah. and Paddington <laughs> Two is a perfect movie for the holidays. Very wholesome. Great shit. Um, I also had Philosopher's Stone specifically on my list. Um, Another one is um, about a boy, um, oh, okay. which is yeah, just yeah. Uh, that one's just something that I watch, not necessarily around the holidays, but it does give me that vibe of just like, it's, it, everything's going to be okay. Did you ever you watch know? the TV series? I did. I watched maybe the whole first season, maybe more. I don't know. Um, I didn't mind it. My parents I didn't hate really it either. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I don't know how how much in depth you want me to go on my list right do now. Do it, maybe. dude. We got time. <laughs> cool. Well, um, another one, which is a family favorite um, in my family is a uh, school of rock. Nice. Yeah. I um, can see that too. There's a little bit yeah. of snow in that movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it comes down here and there. Um, but you know, just, uh, I think it's just all going to be the same justification, which is just like, you know, uh, work together, be kind to each other. Uh, Bill and Ted could be a Christmas movie. Bill and Ted is a Christmas. All three Christmas movies. Oh, all three. Okay. Well, great. I've only seen the first one recently. So we are really just, stretching the learning. definition of Christmas. We are really today. stretching the definition of a Christmas movie. 
<laughs> Schindler's List doesn't count. <laughs> That's more of a Hanukkah <laughs> movie. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm gonna take that joke out. I'm gonna yeah, take speaking that. of editing. <laughs> <laughs> just take it, plop it right at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, I that's usually what I do. John, you know how get I it, edit the show. Away. You know how I yeah. do it. Um <clears throat> a couple that I have on my list, uh, just to move past what I just said. Um I have I have uh Star Wars, because I feel like Star Wars definitely fits in. Um because you can play the Star Wars movies at any time of the year, and I think most most for most families, they can sit down with any or all of the Star Wars films, even the bad ones, you know, the five of them that exist, um, and really sit down with those movies and be like, yeah, you know, we're at least we're all still enjoying some sort of semblance of entertainment, right? And I it, know. Uh, w- Go ahead. Sorry, uh, I was going to say I know uh, one person who. Uh, Every Christmas, he watches uh, the Lord of the Rings movies because the Lord of the Rings movies used to come out in uh used to come out every year at Christmas. He's like, well, this it kind of puts me in the mood because I used to go see them in the I theater. I used to every go see every single Lord of the Rings movies I saw on Boxing Day with my uncle. Every single one, I would we would go on Boxing Day and we'd go see um, the Lord of the Rings movies as as they wow. were coming out. So yeah, it fits in too because it's just one of the you know it just gives you those memories. I'm really stretching this. Uh, Fargo also on my list. Um, so much snow. A lot of snow. Not a Christmas movie by any means. The trees. In the trees. <laughs> no, I'm just saying there's also trees. Oh yeah, yeah. Not to come up at Christmas. Please. <laughs> and the last one that I have on my list, and I think is the last one that I think we we could probably stretch into the 15 minute discussion that's gonna. F- Tack on <laughs> is uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, with I've that. always seen in my household, Willy Wonka was always more of an Easter movie. Seems like it should be. It's both. I'd say. I'd say it's both. Because I mean, you think about uh, um, how Willy Wonka himself crucifies himself so that uh, or his his own only begotten son Charlie can um, save the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> that was a stretch. I've had two beers. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I appreciated the effort. Yeah. You definitely went for it. Tried. You tried. Anyway, um, it's also kind I of mean, a Christmas movie because candy. I mean, <laughs> again, when usually whenever it's Christmas, yeah. whatever my mind goes to is just watching spe- Christmas specials from shows that I love or whatnot. Like, sure. uh, or at least ones that I loved growing up. Like SpongeBob every year, Christmas specials. Sorry. Yeah, every year I watch the SpongeBob Christmas special. I watch the good. first uh, Fairly Odd Parents one where uh, Timmy wishes it was Christmas every day and then all the other holidays are pissed off after like a month of Christmas and we're like, we're going to go kill Santa. I didn't know that oh, was geez. the plot of that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so uh, that. yeah, Timmy has to like hop on a, a snowmobile and ride all the way up to the North Pole and get in contact with other kids to go save Santa. Oof. Cool. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, if we're going to, you know what, we might as well just talk about Christmas movies we like because I mean, there's another one on my list that, that I didn't put in my ingestion, but I did watch on Christmas Day. Uh, there's two. I watched a uh, Bad Santa, which is a great. I've not movie. seen that. It's pretty offensive. Um, yeah, I've never uh, seen Bad Santa. There is some usage of some pretty bad language, such as the R word and the F word, that come up pretty frequently in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. I can't even. The only way I could justify it is it was 2001. Santa's bad. Not a great justification. Um, but, uh, another one that I, I watched is a uh, Jack Frost, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. That movie's fucking awful. It yeah. is really bad. 
it, but yeah, yeah it, I still have such a soft spot in my heart for that movie um, because I watch it every single year with my family. But Who it's not Jack good. Frost? That's a Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Michael Keaton. Uh, with snowman I, boobies. With snow boobies at one point. It honestly, none of that movie makes any fucking sense. It's because Charlie. Uh, so I can explain what happens, and even Tanya. Tanya is my girlfriend. She uh, was sleeping while we were watching it, but every once in a while I'd laugh my ass off because of, of how bad it was. But she'd be like, what's going on? And I'd be like, oh, you see, Charlie just blew on the magical harmonica, which brought back Jack Frost's soul from the from from the grave, and now he's a magical snowman. And she'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going back to sleep. And then she went <laughs> back to sleep, and she'd be like, what's happening? And I was like, oh, you see, Charlie and Jack Frost are now sliding down a mountain um, fighting the evil bullies for no fucking reason. <laughs> also, here's a cool snowboard scene because you have to have a, a, this stupid fucking song in this movie for some fucking reason. Yeah. Oh, look, now they've slid down the mountain, and now they're at the bottom of the mountain at Charlie's Think Hole, and now Jack Frost is going to teach him that slap shot that, oh, yeah, remember he taught he was going to, he told you he was going to teach you when he got back from that car crash that he actually died from? Uh, yeah, it's not good. Uh, not a good movie, but I still I think, love it. I think one thing to take into account also is that a lot of Christmas movies really aren't very good, they're but not. I do like a lot of them, like... I mean, I mainly, John brought it up earlier. I mainly like Ron Howard's Grinch just out of nostalgia. I will take the original cartoon any day. I don't think Ron Howard's Grinch is a very good movie. It's a very fun movie, Liam. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is that it it just has all the problems I have with Dr. Seuss movies that have been made. Well, I think it's it's every problem that, you know, Sue Seuss, is that her name? Sue? Uh, No, Audrey, uh, Dr. Seuss's widow. Yeah, she, it's the same reason she she hates it. She was tolerant of the first one, but once you get to the cat in the hat with Mike Myers, she banned any uh, live action. Did you know Seuss that the only shows. way that you could get a Dr. Seuss movie made was if you sat in a room with her and paid her a million dollars? She would she that's the only she would she would only allow you to do a pitch for a million bucks. And if she didn't like the pitch, she'd take the million bucks and she'd leave. And I was like, that's a boss right there. Um, <laughs> no kidding. Um, but I mean, like, uh, yeah, no, I was saying, like, I could count on my hands, like, the most blatant Christmas movies that I like. Like, I mean, I kind of have a soft spot for Elf. It's a good movie. Um, Elf I didn't watch this year, but I do, I I mean, do typically like it. I, I will say that, that says a lot coming for me, given how much I hate Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Um, <laughs> John. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> No, yes. I, I can't appreciate it. Um, and I think a lot of it is that, like, uh, that's the only, outside of it just being kind of a charming film, that's the only movie I could think of where I didn't find Will Ferrell annoying. I actually did find him to be a little bit charming. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Um, I, I know I brought up Home Alone earlier, but specifically the first one, I think, is, like, a near-perfect film to me. Uh, I mean, like, I don't think you're entirely wrong. Also, it's funny. I, I googled Christmas movies that aren't Christmas movies for this episode, and Home Alone was on the list. And I was like, No, no that's wrong. a Christmas movie. Incredibly wrong. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no. Uh, all the problems with uh, Home Alone I can think of come from just other readings that are very fair. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like like, like there there are like certain politics in it that are yeah. like questionable and worth examining. Yeah, how piss poor whole, the family, I I mean, how like, piss poor his parents are. Oh, the McAllisters suck. They, they are the awful. fucking awful yeah. parents. <laughs> um, and also just the whole um, 
let's just say the world does have a lot of real little Kevin McAllisters there who abuse Castle Doctrine laws. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I'll I'll still take in this one. I mean, uh, I do like even if I know a lot of there are a lot of Christmas a lot of Christmas movies really aren't that good. I'll try to at least watch one new one each year. Like I remember uh, when uh, the Christmas Chronicles with uh, Kurt Russell came out two mm-hmm. years ago. I was just like, you know what? I- I'm gonna watch this. This looks actually this could be fun. I know it's probably gonna be crappy, but I'm gonna have some fun with it. I don't think I watched any new Christmas movies this year at all. Um, one that you watched last year, but I still haven't seen, and I know both you guys love is uh, Klaus. Fuck, dude. Yeah, Klaus is definitely up there in terms of Christmas movies I've seen. I couldn't watch it this year because it was still too fresh in my mind, and I also knew oh, I damn. was going to cry like a goddamn baby. Um, there you go. Um, have you guys ever seen Christopher the Christmas Tree? Yep. <laughs> uh, we watched it in, uh, I, you know, back when you're in grade two and they'll show like little Christmas shorts to fill time at the end of a year. Which is hilarious one... because remember how you try to keep religion out of school? <laughs> yeah. That's not the movie you show to keep religion out of school. It is very, mm-hmm. very blatantly just Christian propaganda. There is a moment. So, okay, John, if you've never seen Christopher the Christmas Tree, let me set. It's, tw- it's a 22 minute long um, short film. Uh, that's about a tree named Christopher, who is a Christmas tree, right? Um, and it also follows his his buddy Hootie, who's an owl, who can't talk outside of saying hoot, 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 hoot. And for... gets, if I remember correctly, gets kicked out of his house because he can't read properly or something. Yep. Um, the owl? The is owl. this animated? Yeah, it's animated. Yes. Um, that makes sense. And so he can't... <laughs> Hootie can't speak or read, so they kick him out of his house, and he goes and hangs out with Christopher, and then Christopher gets cut down, and Christopher's on his way to do something. Um, I always, in the back of my head, I always thought he was going to become the the tree at Rockefeller Center. He does not. I will uh-huh. clarify what happens to Christopher in a moment. But Hootie goes to this house where there's this kid i can't remember his name i'm gonna call him jimmy but hootie has been like out in the cold for so long and he's like freezing to death and hootie just like lands on the front porch and the kid runs over and opens the door of this cabin and brings hootie in and his dad's just like yeah yeah it's cool it's like that's a fucking wild animal (laughs) that's an owl and he brings him in and he puts him down in front of the of the fireplace so that he could hootie could warm up but his dad's like, yes, just place him in front of the fireplace. And so Jimmy's like, nice, okay, Dad. So he places him down. He's like, anyway, Dad, what's the star on top of the tree? And I'm not kidding. That's how quick the transition is. He's like, what's the star on top of the tree? And then Jimmy's dad's like, well, you see, that th- that star represents the star that guided three wise men to the birth of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they, they, they don't tiptoe around it. They just go fucking okay. full bore. <laughs> Anyway, um, Hootie manages to get better, and he leaves. And then he finds all of his his pals, and they go and try to save Christopher. And uh, Christopher has been cut down, and he's being pulled to a place. And they're trying to save him. They're trying to save Christopher, and they get, he finally gets where he's going. And they they do all this stuff, and they think he's going to be turned into pulp. And then they erect him up, and he's actually the president's personal tree. <laughs> he's in front of the fucking White House. <laughs> <laughs> And they don't specify what president he is. You can probably assume which one he is from whenever the film was made. Yeah, but... but they do like this really generic voice. And 
then the, the president has does his speech to like explain why they chose Christopher. And they're like, and this tree is such so beautiful and voluptuous, whatever. And he's like, and we have named him Christopher, as in Christ. As in Jesus Christ. He <laughs> <laughs> just basically says, we named him Christopher because oh. of Jesus. And then, oh. and, then the, <laughs> and then the movie ends with them just being like, Christopher, we love you, Christopher. And it's just like, we, it's, the whole thing is just, we love you, Jesus. <laughs> I thought of a, uh, I was going to say, I think I thought of a, uh, not really a Christmas movie, but I think some could stretch and say it might be. And this is what I rewatched over the summer, which is uh, the first uh, Chronicles of Narnia movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Santa yeah, totally. Sure, given Santa shows up in that movie and gives uh, Lucy, uh, Susan, Peter, and uh, Susan and Peter like weapons and whatnot. Is that the first one? Yeah, and uh, the, yeah, no, they think he's uh, the White Witch, but he uh, catches up to them, and it's like, uh, no, it's Santa Claus or Father Christmas, as they call him. Oh, Jesus Christ! And he ends up giving, yeah, that is in the book, and he gives them like all their trademarked weapons and all of that. Oh man, I had no clue. <sighs> in well, fact, a big plot in uh, that story is that ever since the White Witch has been there, there has never been Christmas since. She has just canceled oh. Christmas altogether. Because the like, book is actually Christian propaganda. <laughs> well, just no, it's, even movie. in other things I've seen, like in uh, Robin Hood with um, uh, Kevin Costner, there's a point where Alan Rickman as the sheriff of Nottingham is going off. He's like, I want my men here. I want all of this. And he's like, and before he leaves, he's like, I'd call off Christmas. Oh, God. And that's really? it. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah, seriously, the sheriff of Nottingham cancels Christmas in that. Yeah, a lot of Christmas movies are, are even... Like, why do people want to cancel Christmas? I mean, this was the year without a Christmas, let's be fair. So I feel like so, this is next year there's going to be a lot of movies that are going to be about why we need Christmas and why we need the holiday season and everything. But Also, I'm beginning to think <clears throat> that Alan Rickman just didn't like Christmas very much. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, you've got Hans Gruber, the sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, Snape always looked pretty unpleasant at Christmas. Yeah, yeah and all the time. Um, <laughs> oh, what I want to ask. I forget. Maybe I'll think about it in a second. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think we've exhausted. <laughs> How to this stop the momentum in a podcast? <laughs> Tell me about Damn it, it, John. I feel like we've exhausted this conversation about Christmas. <laughs> I remember the question. I should put I mean, a oh. I should put a tinger down in the in the or a tinger a, a, like a ticker for every single time we mention the word Christmas. And just, <laughs> yeah. I'm not actually going to do it at home, but if you feel like you actually want to take that on at home, any of you, please do so. Um, and if you do, you'll win a special prize. And that prize is... Um, a Christmas card signed by Liam. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Cool. There you go. If you, if you take that on, you'll get that. And then maybe I'll sign it too. Maybe John. Maybe John. Maybe I'll even draw you a nice little Santa Claus in or, there. Or Liam will just fake all, all of our signatures, including Lucas's, and then you'll get that card is most likely what's going to happen. That sounds good. <laughs> okay, well... Um, I'm out of breath because uh, I was laughing about <laughs> Jesus trees. So um, I was going to ask uh, one Christmas movie that another one I know is awful, but I watch it every year. In fact, Christian and I watched it uh, over Discord earlier this year with a few other friends. Is Have you ever seen Jingle All the Way, John? <laughs> no, I don't think I have officially. <laughs> really? If, uh, no. Uh, what is it? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the father of Jake Lloyd from The Phantom Menace. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He has to get him this uh, action figure for. Uh, I think everybody to... knows the plot of Jingle All the Way, but 
It's one of those movies where you, you've, you've probably seen the whole thing, John, but you just you yeah, haven't seen no, it all in one sitting. Yeah, like you've probably seen it all, but never in like one go. So you know, like the put that cookie down and like, yeah. where's your Christmas spirit? <laughs> Jamie. J- Jamie, don't walk away from your father, Jamie. <laughs> Man, what a disaster yeah. of an episode. Of the time. <laughs> this is really, uh, really falling apart. Um, I think we like Christmas go. this year. Like Christmas. This episode is a and metaphor for Christmas 2020. And we did it on purpose. Yes, it was all intentional. Just like COVID. I'm Co- a pandemic guy. <laughs> yeah. We planned COVID so we could do this joke. Shitty podcast <laughs> in this joke. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to go to break. Uh, <laughs> um, I will see everybody in a moment. Jamie, don't walk away from your father, Jamie. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Thundercast, the messiest podcast slash the most least listened to podcast on the entire internet. Uh, today, we are going to be jumping right into thanks, yeah. <laughs> the most least listened to. Uh, today, we are going to be jumping right into another round of Cool Wars. Uh, cool Wars. Cool Wars. Cool Wars is a game we like to play on the podcast where uh, we like to pit up people against each other from various sources of media, from a list that is entirely arbitrary and of our own creation. Uh, the These two characters are going to be going up against each other in a battle of coolness. Coolness is evaluated by the definition of cool. Uh, they are not physically fighting, so if you have any qualms with that, then get fucked, bud. <laughs> anyway, Liam, who is today's cool war? Today we have one of the most iconic fictional characters of Christmas. Sorry, I apologize if any of you are under 18. Or at, least, or at least under 12, which is Santa Claus versus um, uh, Mr. Green from The Night Before. That's right. So if you haven't played seen... Played by Michael Shannon. Played oh. by Michael Shannon. That's right. You were about to No, I was not. And... I was going to explain what movie he was from, but... That oh, was... then go ahead. But think... picture Michael Shannon. That's right. Yeah, picture Michael Shannon, um, which is quite odd to be in a comedic role. You know, he's usually not that funny. I don't know. Michael Shannon's hilarious. He just always carries himself being super intense. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I have many jokes for while we're doing the uh, Cool War. Uh, Liam, you want to put uh, 10 minutes on the timer there? All right. And three, two, one, go. Okay. So one of them is... Both of them are totally fake, uh, to be <laughs> fair. To, both of them are total figments. And actually, you know what's funny, Liam? One of them is the son of the other. Yes. <laughs> Which I think we didn't really factor into the fight here. Was that at the end of... So, spoiling a movie that's four, five, six years old at this point. Um, Michael Shannon's character at the end of the night before. If you don't have not seen this, please go watch it. But is actually an angel. Slash also Santa Claus's son. Uh, it's very weird. I think I earned these. <laughs> And then he grows wings. And I forgot away. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot about that. It's legit okay. so out of fucking nowhere, but it okay. works really well. In the I will say for, uh, what was it, to describe each character, one is big and jolly in most incarnations. The other one is kind of just like casual, but very uncomfortable. Whenever you're in his presence, you're yeah. scared, but he's just going to like pull out a sword and kill you or something. Yeah, become really irrational in the, in the moment. But <laughs> yeah. I think I think something worth mentioning is um, ways in which they're uh, similar. Um, 
because Mr. Green is, I believe, supposed to be akin to the great Gatsby. Yeah, well, yeah, that he even tells that joke at the end. He's like, "Yeah, I always admired that Gatsby guy. <laughs> Good book. Yeah, because movie's he just, not so just... great. 3D gives me a headache." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So they, it, he 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 just has these parties for other people and is just very giving in that way. As is Santa Claus, is uh, in, in is is the most giving of them all. Um. And both of these things are cool, um, in a way. So yeah, I think I, I mean I do agree. I mean one one by legal standards, depending on your politics, might be a little more frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which one? Well, no, one Mr. of them commits breaking and entering, or I guess both of them. Yeah, like one billions, breaks and enters billions of breaking and entering uh, cases every single year. And the other the, one sells uh, other a couple ones... guys weed. Yeah, the other one sells uh, drugs in a state where it has not been legalized. That actually is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give like major points to Mr. Green for that one. Yeah. Santa does not do that, or at least has not done that to me, if anyone wants to let us know. I've gotten some weed for Christmas. We live in a legal country, so I mean, yeah. Who else would I get it from? Uh, good question. I don't know. It said Santa. Well, if it said Santa, then it's Santa. There's no question. Yeah. Who, who else? No would one, it be, Christian. John? No, it was Santa. Santa's your weed dealer, and <laughs> we're all good. Uh, who else would I guess, it be, John? <laughs> um, I guess. Um, again, one is a. Uh, I guess the biggest thing is. Uh, Santa, we aren't really going off any specific version, but Santa has been played by some of the all great actors of most generations, while Mr. Green is played by one of the great actors of our time. That's true. He's not played Santa. So. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Though I will yes. say I would love to see a Michael Shannon Santa movie. Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got a Paul Giamatti Santa, so I think we're not too far off from a Michael Shannon Santa. We have a, we have a Paul Giamatti Santa, we have a Mel Gibson Santa, and we have a Kurt Russell Santa. When are we getting our Michael Shannon Santa, damn it? Yeah, we have Tim Allen Santa. Billy Bob <laughs> Fuck Tim Allen. Billy Bob. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess. Nice. No, yes. Bad Santa. He's not a real Santa, though. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I saw someone. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, I think, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for this, but do you, do you guys have answers? I got one. Okay. John? Yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, on the count of three, ready? Three, Eight, two, two, one, one. Draw. Green. Whoa. <laughs> Liam said Mr. Green, John said Santa, and I said draw. I didn't know draw was possible. And neither did I <laughs> until today on this episode I guess of Cool it is Wars. A draw. <laughs> but you cool. know what? It is the holiday season. It should be all about compromise and not getting into a big fight with each other. We shouldn't be talking about how these guys, one is better than the other. We should be talking about just how great both of them are. Because it's Christmas for Christ's sake. That's right. It is Christmas. I believe Absolutely. that every young boy and girl can gain something from this episode of the Thundercast. I think they can gain that sometimes all it takes is three friends to meet up and have a good time and chat with each other and discuss movies and talk about life and love and the human experience. Now it's your turn to monologue, John. It's, it's <laughs> oh. just got to be on a podcast that talks about movies. Yeah, and, and my monologue 
is agreeing with your two monologues, which were said very, very well, and summed it up in a way that when you pass off the mantle to me, it kind of has gone into the spiral of talking and not saying anything while words are coming out of my mouth, which I mean, we kind of did a fair amount of that. <laughs> That's true. How presidential of you, John. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I do, do want to say that Christmas is the perfect time for everybody to just go and get drunk and stoned with your family. Just go get drunk and stoned with your family. Who cares about presents? Who cares about, or don't because it's COVID, but like do it safely and at home and if you went to your parents house or you went to somebody's house and like you like weren't being safe about it and like you didn't live there or in our province specifically if you did were not a part of the exemption where you live alone and you're allowed to go visit one other person then get fucked like you're fucking ruining this for everybody okay you're yeah, ruining yeah. we cannot you... meet in person in this new studio this new room this one right That's behind sick. me because of you you're fucking ruining <laughs> you're fucking you're ruining, ruining everything <laughs> you are ruining christmas and we hate you That's right Anyway this has been a very special holiday special of a <laughs> of a thundercast That's right if you like this episode of the thundercast be sure to follow us on social media by going to instagram facebook and youtube and searching up thunder lizard collective and on youtube youtube not YouTube, Twitter. Fuck me. I'm flustered. I was yelling too much. And on Twitter, we are ThunderLizardOG. You can find us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash ThunderLizard, um, where I would like to thank our patrons, and I would like to thank Kate, Tanya, Scott, and Manos. So thank you very much for your continued patronage. Uh, patronage? Patronage? Thanks for giving us your money. Anyway, if you like this, uh, make sure to go tell a friend and share us on social media. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Give us five stars on iTunes and do the equivalent on any other streaming platform. We also have another podcast called uh, The Thunder and Dragons, and you can find that by also going to any other streaming platform. Um, Thunder and Dragons is a D&D podcast that is uh, hosted by our friend Lucas, um, who is unfortunately not here right now, but it also has uh, Liam and myself and our friend Dan, and Lucas takes us around uh, the world of D&D in a very fun romp around a mystical, fantastical universe. Um, yeah, so this was a fucking disaster. Um, this was our Christmas special, as Liam likes to deem it, and I'm totally fine with that, even though it's coming out well after Christmas. This has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Liam. And I'm Sean. From the <laughs> Hello? Hello. Hey. All right, there yeah. we go. We're back. We're back. Okay, well, I'm going to stop that recording and maybe just take 10 minutes and we can start the show. Don't walk away from your father, Jimmy. <laughs> Put that cookie down.